to fucking rape all your kids and your grandmother. Hello and welcome to episode 150 of Grumpy Old Benz for Friday, April 9th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we've made it to 150 and nobody's gotten shot. And from America's left coast, where we don't eat off of our keyboards, I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, then you would put it in the dishwasher, like Sir Matthew. You only need to put your dish, your keyboard in the dishwasher if you've treated it like a dish. This is something I learned from a lot of keyboards. A lot of people spill things on them. I mean, the food thing usually isn't a horrible thing. I mean, you can clean that with a little compressed air. It's when you spill. Now, water, that might not even be so bad, but it's when you spill something like, you know, sweet tea or a Coke, something loaded with sugar. with sugar is a problem. Yeah. But I, I, again, like. Uh, it, it, consuming food directly above the keyboard and you know ca- putting it in a, into a position of potential energy where gravity will cause that food to end up in the keyboard is something that's not difficult to avoid if you just don't eat over your keyboard but or, i have a coffee cup sitting literally next to my keyboard i have a coffee cup sitting about a foot away from the keyboard over on the right and it seems to be holding coffee there just as well and not in danger of going into the keyboard i don't i just don't understand people who are like i what is there something about the airspace above the keyboard that just collects food for some people or i don't i don't get it like that space for me is is meant to stay clear because it's between my face and the monitor and I don't like holding food in front of it. It, it like I prefer to see what's on the monitor. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. Yeah. Why aren't you embracing convenience culture? You need your coffee right next to the keyboard. I, I, I because that's where the bathroom is. I don't know. <laughs> to be fair, my coffee is in a turvis. So even if it gets knocked over, there is a lid on here so the spillage would be minimal uh today it is the uh, taylor swift hervis and uh, i have to say the the remake of fearless or i think that was fearless the first one that came up because you know she's mad at her you know old record label and decided to redo the old album board sounds exactly like the old album which it's very weird although it seems like it sounds better i mean recording technology i guess even in the last 10 years or how many years it's been since her debut came out. I guess you've learned some things. The bass seemed a little bit bigger, which is good. And uh, it's a weird thing in this time of streaming anyway, that anybody would be worried about doing that. But uh, Hey, if you know, she's got nothing better to do. That's cool. So I've got a survey crew working outside and uh, they're just going up and down the road and, and really, the only reason I bring it up is because it's equally as interesting as your Taylor Swift stuff. Are you? Gonna, are they asking you questions? Are they that kind of survey no. crew? Like, what no. You put on but your uh, earlier cereal? this morning, they were dodging paintballs. <laughs> Wait, who was out there shooting at them? Um, I'm not going to admit to that on air. <laughs> that is 
illegal. I would, although it's Seattle. Like one would think. So it's it's Seattle. Also, they weren't, but uh, yeah. no, well, yeah, I don't know. The, the house, uh, so the lot across the street, you know, I live in a kind of a steep ravine on both sides. So my house is on one side of the hill. The other side of the hill is even steeper and therefore is difficult to uh, to build on. There's never been a house there in all the time I've been here, which is really nice because it means my front windows um, don't look directly into another house, despite being very close in the city. Right, where there should be another house. And uh, this lot is, it's it's uh, one of the biggest lots in the neighborhood, but it's all steep hills. And so the people who own it have over and over again sent surveyors out to see if they can figure out how to subdivide it into multiple houses. And if they can figure out a way to make it work, then they're going to put houses there, including the one, like one of the best spots is straight out directly out my front windows. Nice. So get, there'd be another house slightly above me on the hillside on the other side where the, they, you know, their living room windows stare directly into ours. And I obviously want to resist this because I'd rather look at trees. <laughs> and so whenever a survey crew comes by, you know, I, I fantasize about throwing shit at them because the owners of that property really want to subdivide their shit. Yeah. But I mean, you without the robe, just hanging out in the Barca lounger. Nobody will ever buy the house next door if you just do that every time you, somebody comes ooh. to view the house. You have an idea. That's that's a good point. Yeah, and that's perfectly that. legal, too. So. In, fact, in fact, maybe if I, instead of just throwing shit at the surveyors, maybe if I just stood out there with an open robe, they'd just run away and be like, I'm sorry, <laughs> we couldn't complete the survey. Yes, we've, we've, we've been blinded. Thank you. Thank you to the guy in the robe that didn't have a uh, didn't have a tie to it but before we get too far into the show i do want to mention this is episode 150 we were originally talking about having the great john c dvorak on the show and that didn't work due to and and he's he's either not here or we just are really crappy hosts and didn't introduce him (laughs) or i could just i have some clips we could we could have pulled a sir gene and just brought john in with clips but that didn't seem like any fun yeah (laughs) john says he'll do it Next month, I believe him. John was in. On I believe him doing he, the show on yesterday, April eighth, my birthday. Woo! So I mean, another yes, year happy older. birthday. Thank you. I'm, I won't say I'm wiser. Way to get old. I know. Way you to, know, not man, not everybody can do that. Way to keep living. And yes. John was all for us hijacking the stream at no agenda time, rather than running the climate change special, which he had produced. So uh, Adam Curry, the other host of No Agenda, he vetoed that, probably rightfully so, because there were hundreds of people that tuned in to hear No Agenda at its regular time. But John would have been all for pulling that one off. I figured, you know, if there was ever a time to throw No Agenda off the stream, it would be when one of those two guys would join us. And that would have been cool. But it didn't happen. It will. uh, Obviously, we're going to have to bump No Agenda when they're both here. Right. <laughs> That's a little harder to well, it's not harder to do. It would just it, cause it's quite possible. In fact, I'm quite capable of doing it once. Right. And then all of the passwords would be changed and my keys would be revoked and suddenly I don't have access to the stream anymore. But you would have that one glorious we'd be moment. Able to do it once. Yes. So no fault of John's, no fault of anybody that we will make that happen at uh, some point in the near future. And uh, John's interview with edwin black i'm guessing should be up anytime on youtube it was on zoom live which i thought was kind of a weird way to do a live show it's like you can stream it onto youtube i know but a lot of people don't know how to do all that kind of stuff 
it was an interesting conversation overall. And the thing I wanted to see most was what was in the background, because John C. Dvorak is very tight lipped about what's in his studio. Adam Curry for years. I know it's a running bit. Let me see your studio. Show a picture. Post a picture of your studio. And John won't. So figuring he was going on a video show. Well, you'd be able to see something in the background unless he had a yeah. green screen at, or something. At least, at least the Shays Lounge, like what color is it? That's been a, a thing of question. Right. We want that information. The background, though, was so blurred. It was whatever effect he was using to do it. It was kind of hilarious because it was kind of like just John appearing in a great mist or something because you couldn't see anything but him, even his microphone and the uh the pop filter in front of the microphone would go in and out of like from focus to where you couldn't even see it it was kind of it was kind of like watching nick the rat a little bit but uh you know people should well should check that out it was a good conversation and i think when uh, john comes on this show he'll have a lot of fun and i do i think everybody if you're donating to no agenda it doesn't have to be a lie just say hey i heard i heard about no agenda on the grumpy old ben show I mean, we're talking about no agenda right now. It doesn't say you yeah, first you, you heard are about literally him. hearing about no agenda on this show right now. Yes. So use that. And the more you do that, the more chance that we can get John on the show. Or if not, I'm sure Adam will eventually just come on the show to shut us up. Although we we may have made one slight tactical error, and that is that we are talking on our show about the manipulating tactics. another show. Right. We're not hiding I- it. Well, that that might be the tactical error. <laughs> Not hiding it. No, I think it's, it's hilarious. And John's going to listen to this and be like, oh, that's what those guys are doing. Well, screw them. I'm never blocked. No, because if that, it would bring more money to John's show. And he'd be like, keep doing that, guys. That's a great idea. <laughs> you're, you're scamming <laughs> yeah. people. And isn't that the greatest scam ever? You're scamming people into sending me money. How dare you, sir? How if, dare if, you? If there's. If there's one thing that that about the value for value model that uh, has never sat super well for me but but you have i mean you got to embrace it is it pays to be shameless uh you know just just going out and being yes we are we we want your money we want your value your donations your treasure because we're poor podcasters and we deserve it and we're giving you value in exchange you know we're just giving it to you ahead of time otherwise it's it's the same as a transaction and it it never like begging has never been in. I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a little bit of a prideful person and begging has never really been my thing, but it, it's pretty much necessary. If you're going to function on the value for value model, if you're going to do anything other than, you know, if, if this isn't just a hobby. Right. Well, that's it. Otherwise, you can call it marketing, which is your other favorite thing. So. No, 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 because then it'll begging. stop entirely. So wait, begging is higher up the food begging, chain than marketing. Yeah, begging is is acceptable. Marketing is not. We don't do that sort of thing. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot, and I'm sure we will on Monday when our buddy Larry joins us for our two-year celebration, episode 151. Somebody suggested we do a shot of 151 every time you said something incorrect on that show, and I'm like, we don't want to die. We do not want to die. Um, my wife did buy me for my birthday. One of the things was a T-shirt of Dwight Schrute's face that just says false underneath. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, is this what I wear to podcast with Ryan now? <laughs> just that. Like, <laughs> that was the most annoying meme about seven or eight years ago. <laughs> false. <laughs> 
but it would come back. Everything goes around, comes around. Uh, but we've talked about that a lot as far as trying to make a go with the podcast for anybody to make this into something that is sustainable and that can be treated as a job. And I think a lot of people understand, maybe some don't, that there's some great podcasts out there that people are doing simply for fun. I mean, Sir Matthews is one of them if you want to learn about maps, but the releases are far and few between because he actually has a real job. To be able to produce a lot of content and to be able to produce quality content, you need to put a lot of time into it. And that is where that's what I've been doing wrong all this time. You know, you're not putting enough time in. I mean, we're not, I, I'm not producing quality. Well, actually, I, you know what? This is the best quality content I've ever produced that I'm going to go with that. You know, so there, there has been, talk, I mean, do we need a, you know, a Patreon or something? Not necessarily that particular service because we know there's issues, deplatforming and that, but we have talked about the fact that maybe we need a sub show or a, a side project. That would be all just pay per month because you look around and you see things like what who are these podcasts is doing and they're doing really well on Patreon by offering shows that aren't on the normal RSS feed. And that's behind a walled garden. I understand some people hate that. That's the antithesis of the value for value model. But you look at their results. And if the results are better, as much as I like the value for value model, at some point, I would rather have the cash. Rather than stand on and, principle. And the two could definitely coexist. Uh, I've got a number of shows have made it pretty well with, you know, value for value here, but then we pay well certain things. Uh, you know, Gray America, their, their Gray America outlawed moved pretty quickly to a model where they, they do the first half of show model. And then, you know, the, so they'll do, they'll do basically two interviews. And then the first one with a person will be uh, on their public feed. And, you know, there are a number of places where, the you know please donate to us because we're poor and also uh you don't get access to this unless you give us money ha 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 those models can coexist yes you do i mean you have to present it in a form that isn't quite as sinister as what i just did well that would help because otherwise people like now you're being there's a thin line and a fine line between what people consider fair game and being a bunch of dicks and it's hard to figure out exactly where that line is and that's what we're trying to do it's at way this point behind me because two years now this is a serious podcast covering serious topics that can help you in your daily life a blue douche 33 says you are the dwight Schrute of the no agenda stream so does that make me the False. jim halpert <laughs> or uh i mean it would have to be that would be uh maybe that's what makes the show work that is the interaction that people like. But we'll be talking, like I said, more about this with Larry, because I want to delve into his brain a little bit, because I know he does the Patreon thing as well as releasing episodes. And uh, it is a very interesting time for podcasters. There are a lot more of these apps that are jumping into the streaming value part of the podcast index 2.0 stuff. And I think that's going to help a little bit in the short term moving forward but it still comes down to anything that is opt-in i think that is the biggest challenge is that we do a lot of things now and a lot of podcasters do with the value for value type model that is opt-in meaning people can still get the content without paying you and that isn't changing at all 
with the streaming sats thing that is coming down, which, uh, you know, people just set it and forget it. So how much you listen to, and then you can send a little extra money while you're listening to the show right from the app. From from a purely technical perspective, uh, you know, locking content down is frankly really difficult. So I really like the model that says, yeah, we're putting this out there. But yeah, but. You know, please pay us for it because you and don't want nobody. These when you look at what Patreon does, because I'm on the tell them Steve, Dave again, I, I gave them the 10 bucks. I wanted to download a bunch of their videos and I found them to be interesting. And I've watched hours of their videos over the last couple of weeks. So the 10 bucks well worth it to me. But the audio portion just gives you an RSS feed that anybody can download the MP3s and then repost them. So, yeah, this isn't like it's hard if you really wanted to pirate this kind of stuff and share it with friends or anywhere on the internet it's not hard to do so it is just giving people another option i guess so if somebody really wants that content and the bar is low enough which i think you know five bucks a month or something like that works that people just go i'll just keep that going to have the convenience of knowing when the stuff comes out and having it delivered right to me and not have to worry about uh trying to find things in a on a pirate site or something like that but it's a uh it's an interesting concept moving forward and how this is all going to be monetized and again not every podcast needs to be monetized a vast majority of podcasts never will there's a lot of them out there although it was interesting there was a somebody tried to do that deeper dive which we've talked about on the show recently how many shows are there and when you look at something like podcast index you see the number of oh there's what's it over two million i think they list what, what they have is the number of rss feeds though that well that's a lot of a uh, lot of rss feeds shows that were registered and i guess that maybe there could be multiple rss feeds for one show as well is that kind of the concept there too um I, it, it, yeah there's there's a number of services out there who will uh, it's not so much multiple rss feeds for one show but there's there's a number of services they've talked about this on podcasting 2.0 uh where um there will be one episode which which is usually like you know people get together and talk the way people have done long before digital uh, and and someone records it and then they will create you know they will put a bunch of tags on it like uh in, in this case it was it was a sermon and uh the sermon might be on the nature of sin and on uh you know trust and on god or you know whatever the categories are i'm not i don't listen to sermons so um but then if you've got the three categories you have three different feeds which are here is a list of all of our sermons that are on sin here's all of our sermons that are on trust and so each episode goes into multiple feeds and stuff so it's it, it, the reason that that stuck in my head was that it it was kind of a fascinating way to sort content where you you have a big bucket of content and rather than a feed which each content goes into exactly one feed right you create a feed for as a view onto your big bucket of shows and that's easy to do in the software that we use, as well as others, I'm sure, where you can do it using taxonomy. So you can just put a tag on something and then put that into a special feed. So it's hard to really know how many shows are out there. But one of the other stats was 26% of every podcast listed on Apple and Podcast Index, 26% one show. 
That's all. One episode, and that's Wait, it. Wh- wh- which show is that? Just is one episode. Just one episode. One what, episode. Wow. One episode accounts for 26% of all of the all podcasts. Yeah. On the that listing. is a lot of damn RSS. Like what? That has to be the most listened to episode ever. <laughs> I know. Right. That's uh, like, that's weird that, but it, it makes sense. I guess everybody that goes, Hey, I want to try this podcasting thing. It'll be great. And then they do an episode and then they wait for like a week or two and they look and they're like, nobody downloaded it. Nobody listened. And then they never make another one. Huh. So that's 26%. Uh, I mean, the, who are the hosts of that episode? It's it's different episodes. Oh, 26 well, percent of the episodes. Right. I'm 20, sitting here going, you know, I'm 26 percent of the feeds have one episode in them. Oh, each. Yes. Each. OK, because because I wouldn't be greedy. I was like, hey, let me help you record the one episode and we could just 10 percent. I'd be good with 10 percent. We can, we can record cut. one episode and have that one episode be 10 percent of the feeds out there. But the. uh OK. So, yes. So that's this just shows you just how many people have the idea of I can do a podcast. They attempt it and then they never go back to it. I mean, maybe they will. I mean, those are still showing as feeds because they existed at one point. But it says here uh, there may be that some maybe only planned one episode. Sure. They say, let's go further. Let's use three or four episodes as the mark of whether it's a real podcast. (laughs) Sir, met you. Only four episodes. I don't think it's a real podcast. If you do that, it says uh, that's up to he, a- he is. OK, first of all, Maps with Matt is a real podcast. And I, I present you as evidence. <laughs> the number, the fact that the number of Grumpy Old Ben's episodes and Rare Encounter episodes and Hog Story episodes that have mentioned Maps with Matt far, far exceeds the number of episodes of Maps with Matt. <laughs> but we can't stop talking about the show, which means it is a real show. It's like a Go unicorn. Matt. He says it's a trickle cast, which is that's a whole new area there. I like it. Uh, but if you get into that, then that is 44 percent of all the shows listed are under four episodes. So this really brings you down to they have a this was on Amplify dot com. They had a podcast pyramid, which was like the old, uh, you know, the food pyramid. And they go down. OK, well, it lists two million podcasts with one or more episodes and then you get down to that uh 36% of them have produced 10 or more episodes so they're using the 10 or more episodes and that doesn't even mean that they're still current but shows that have done 10 or more episodes 720,000 podcasts so it's not it's that is actually higher than i expected yeah well there's a lot of them though that have come and gone that were series that did 10 episodes. I've done, I think four different podcasts now that have 10 or more episodes, five. But I guess what that means is that the median, the median has got to be somewhere around what, six or seven. It's hard to say. That's not a lot. No. Yeah. It's not hard to say they could have reported that. (laughs) Well, it depends how you want to, if you have the data set, it's pretty easy to say. Well, depending how you want to validate what is in the, for me, the release, the most recent release, would say a lot as well. Saying that there's 720,000 podcasts with 10 or more episodes listed you know, in Podcast Index and or Apple's listing doesn't tell me when they last released. Some of these may have not released a show for years, which means they're no longer current. So there's not that many. It seems like there's a bazillion podcasts out there, but there's really not that many in the grand scheme of things 
bands that is uh, that are releasing shows with regularity. And if you like the shows well, you're listening to, this is why I guess this is a long run around why you should support the shows that you like, because without supporting them, there's a much greater chance they disappear. Because I think that's true. Now, now the one stat that I really want at this point is uh, how many of those podcasts have reached 150 episodes and are still current? See, that is a good question. Unlike th- most those questions. are the people that we're after. Yes. Yeah. 150 is a pretty it's good number. Actually, a, for, for a weekly show, it's a pretty good run. Well, for the weekly, we, I mean, we're well, twice we, weekly. We but were once a week. Then we went we twice were once a week. week. We kept we we upped production because the experts demanded the output. Or, you know, I I actually think uh, and I I I do I refuse to look down on the people who will do one episode and then go ah this isn't for me or will do seven episodes and go oh we ran out of content or or you know we stopped we couldn't schedule I. I and some of those are probably worth listening to, although they're probably going to be real difficult to find because discovery is not great. Uh, but I, I, what, what you described there, that's called the long tail. And uh, we have seen the internet has shown over and over and over again, that the longer the tail on a setup on an industry, the better the top is. And the top is generally where you want to be if if you're doing it. And the top is generally what you want to consume if you're looking at it, because you only, you know, honestly, there's so many podcasts out there. You can't listen to all of them. So you listen to a few of them. Which ones do you want? Well, uh, there's definitely going to be an argument to be made for. I want only, you know, the top, you know, only podcasts in the top 10 percent or something. Well, that's fine. But the longer the tail, the better the top is. And it's kind of. The same thing with, uh, you know, where, where is MLB going to be in five years now that they've shut down all of their farm franchises and all the, the minor league stuff? Um, they're they're going to start really sucking because nothing's feeding into it. Well, I, for one, really appreciate every podcast out there that only has 10 episodes because that's our minor league. And for every one that goes four episodes and dies and for everyone that goes 10 episodes and then they end up quitting because they realize that that's not the, what they want or they just change feeds, there's going to be the one that ends up going 50 or 100 episodes and turns out to be really, really good. And those are our competition. And those are the ones that I need to you know, get angry at. Uh, oh, wait, no. Well, yeah, and I think a lot of people do when looking for podcasts. I know I'm this way. If you're searching for new shows, usually brand new shows are not going to get my interest. Shows with a handful of episodes. Not going to get my interest. The ones that have been around for a long time will because there's a mentality, I think, that if you tune in and like the show, you want it to keep going on. You don't want to find a show today and be like, oh, this is awesome. These guys. And then they never do another show because it's like, well, now I'm going to go look for podcasts again. You want something with consistency uh, because allegedly that shows there's quality there or insanity. Either way, it could be good. And when, you know, I have to admit a lot of the times I'm searching for new shows these days, it's, it's also with an eye of, does it go on the no agenda stream? And, you know, I, I have somebody here or there who starts badgering me after four episodes is like, uh, you know, you need to put me on the no agenda stream. And, and some of them are even, you know, you need to put me on the no agenda stream because I donated to Adam and John. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, that's not enough. But secondly, uh, you didn't donate to me. So the financial incentive isn't there. Um, and third, more importantly, uh, I want 
to if if I'm going to go ahead and, and poke the infrastructure in such a way that that your show is going into the regular rotation, I need to know that your show is going to be regular and four episodes is not regular. And uh, we, we've had a few shows from very active community members that popped up before the number. But really, honestly, I if, if I'm looking for a new show, then I want to see 30 episodes out. Well, yeah, because it, it just, is work. I mean, as much, it, it, it can it's be a lot, a lot of, of people. A lot of people don't realize it's work when they first start out. And, but if you manage to go 30 episodes in, then you, you're kind of in a groove. You kind of start hitting your quality. Um, and more importantly, you're, you're, you're starting to get to a point where you're doing it regularly and it's a habit and not just a, oh, I should do this sometime. When people have this insane thought of how quickly audience mem- how the size of the audience can grow. And I remember having those conversations with you very early on. Where I'm like, you know, it's going to take us like 30 or 40 shows probably to get more than 100 downloads per show, which when you're doing those shows and you're looking at the stats and it's like, yeah, 50 people downloaded them. That doesn't seem like a lot. That seems like, are we wasting our time? These are the things podcasters go through because to build an audience, it is the long game. There's unless you're coming into this with a huge audience as a celebrity or a media personality. Your show is going to take a long time to grow, no matter how good it is. It's going to take a long time for people to start telling other people to start just mentioning it. And that's you've said this thing similar to this in the past, and it's absolutely true. You know, your show has made it when you see random people that you don't communicate with on a regular basis, quoting your show on social media, like, hey, the guys on Grumpy Old Ben's were saying this. And you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. My favorite is when somebody quotes me on there and I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. Well, I mean, you you say so many things. I say a lot of things. So anyways, uh, enough podcaster baiting. Let's do some stories. <laughs> wait, now, this is this a domain that is owned? That's it. That's not a bad know. idea I'm, for. Uh... <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not hooked up the way Adam is. I probably should be should be trying to register that right now but yeah that could be a great thing for like a a service to help people find podcasts but uh hey if somebody out there starts that cut us in man value for value but there are yeah, no kidding we we are way too lazy to actually build a service like that but right I'm just i have just enough a gumption to register the domain and let it sit for a decade before doing anything with it so, uh, and then you end up creating a podcast on that domain. I, I, I know how it works. Yes. Random thoughts. R-E-N-D-U-M-B-Thoughts.com. But there is a story that follows up on one of the ones we've talked about in the recent past. The story of the cheerleading mom who sent a bunch of deep fakes of her daughter's cheerleading rivals out to coaches and other. Oh, kids. yes. This story. Yeah, it's it was the, story is the gift that keeps on giving. It is because it's raising all of the questions that we've talked about when it came to the deep fakes, which is in this case, one of the things that the mainstream media, of course, because they don't do their homework, was talking about one of the videos that was a part of this, which showed a teen vaping. And I know who cares about teens vaping. I don't. It's not my kid. I don't care. Their parents probably do. And that's the people whose job it is to care. Right. It's their job to do something about it if they want to. There were 
photographs involved which showed you know the girls topless which of course this is why the woman is probably going to go to jail because she was in do, do you have a link no they, they didn't publish those but they were faked the uh, the deep fakes of the photos fairly easy to do i know we talked about it when i and when i did the show over on random thoughts on the deep fakes that there was a piece of software out there and they were it was a very easy thing to find like deep nudes or something like that that if you took a photograph of somebody in like a bikini or something like that it would do all the magic for you of the photoshopping of removing the clothes by creating a deep fake so that is okay, what now, this, now i need to try this i'll go find a go to go out to your youtube find a picture of you right see if i can get it to like how how good is this software can it put your head on a naked chick well, it's more of just taking a photograph and just changing that small part where the bikini is. That's what it's trying to do rather than taking a head and putting it on a different oh. body. So okay, the well, AI, if, it, if, it, if it's using your body, I don't really want to see it. Well, see, there, there you go. But this is what the AI does. And the, the photographs, as we've talked about, can do a really believable job because photographs a lot of times don't look all that clear anyway. Now, at the heart of this case, is the video of the teen vaping, which I don't believe teens vaping is illegal. But the question here is that the video has been called a deep fake by pretty much every media source that's been covering it. And because it's been shown, although the actual video that anybody has seen seems to be from another screen, meaning it wasn't the original, it was somebody holding up a phone to the video. But there have been experts in the deep fake world who have all looked at this and gone on record uh, of saying course this is a world that has experts now. Well, it is because these are the people at the forefront of creating a lot of this stuff. And they looked at the video and said, you know, it's a, it, you can't say a hundred percent because of the quality of watching this from one device to another. But every deep fake expert said, no, that looks real. There's no way they're like, especially when doing the vaping where she puts the vape pen into her mouth and then the steam or, you know, the the water vapor goes in front of her face. Everybody involved in the deep fake world said, no, that's that's either either she has technology nobody else has ever seen or that video is real. But the problem with this comes down to. We now have some video up here of something that is now. How do you know if something is real or not? The girl in the video is saying, well, no, deep fake. And this, of course, was part of a bunch of things that were obviously faked. The girl that was being charged, not charged, but saying you know, that she vaped, says, no, that was a deep fake. Now, the experts are coming out saying, no, that appears to be real. And the. The only reason this matters is this is now opening the door to anybody caught on video doing anything bad. I mean, which what is considered bad today could be a whole lot of different things. Yeah, anything. Yes. You know, so but let's just you know, go. How, how dare he be white on video? Yes, we must. Cancel. We must cancel him. But the question becomes now, does this not totally make video evidence? irrelevant does this not totally make any video evidence no matter what it is you could catch a guy on video you know abusing a child and the guy just goes no deep fake 
how are you going to prove it? I, I, I mean, it, beyond a reasonable doubt, right? That, I mean, that's the question. Cause it, you, you know, how, how did you, we, we still accept witness testimony in, in courts of law these days. And, and it's been easy to fake that for a very long time. It's an, a human invention called lying. Right. Uh, it, I mean, what, what, what it means is that, uh, videos are no longer ironclad evidence, but, uh, and, and I guarantee if you are, if you are a defense attorney arguing this in court, then you're going to definitely bring up the argument you just made, which says that, you know, we, we can't possibly believe this, but the, uh, you know, the, the standards in, you know, I, I, I think court of law, cause it's one of the few places where this really matters. Otherwise it's just your opinion, like your opinion, man. Right. It doesn't um, matter. Right. If something just but, posted on the internet, but if, if you're in a court of law, I mean, the, the standard is, you know, for, for a lot of crimes is, is beyond a reasonable doubt for other crimes is preponderance of evidence. This, these videos are still evidence. Um, there's no, there's no crime or or legal proceeding that I'm aware of where the standard is incontrovertible, which seems to be broken in this case. So, um, I guess uh, it, it all. I mean, how, how do you believe your lying eyes about anything that you ever see? It's really about uh, you come and analyze evidence, listen to people that you know, making their analysis, making, listen to people making their very persuasive speeches. And some of them are going to tell you this and some are going to tell you that. And you decide who to believe, uh, you know, if you're in a court, it's, it, it very much means that the skill of the lawyer is the one that's important. So it, I, like I said, if, if I'm arguing this, then it's, it's yet another tool in the argument that says, well, I know that you saw my client, walk into that store and uh, hold up the cashier at gunpoint and then walk out with a bunch of DVDs under his arm, but it's all faked evidence. And then, you know, if you're a defense lawyer, you have to make that argument if the right. prosecution brings a video, but then, you know, the, the other, the jury is going to have to look at this and be like, yeah, but who is going to make that evidence? They didn't give any reason why anyone would do that. You know, it, it's still effort to make deep fakes, at least for now. Um, you know, so so you got to bring in other questions like uh, is is there any motivation to do it? What you know, what 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 would anybody have to gain? You know, why, when people are lying at each other left and right, one of the ways that always does a pretty good job of going to the truth is things like follow the money. Who who has to gain from lying over this? What do they have to gain? How much motivation is there? Where's the motive? Uh, so if you're a defense attorney and you just say, oh, that's a deep fake, then you, I mean, it'll work for the first four trials because the jury is going to be super gullible but at some point people are going to wise up and realize uh you know how the technology works and what goes on and then and then you're not going to just be able to say well that video could have been faked so acquit my client uh, when you also have to present well why would the video have been faked and who would do it and you know you know the kind of things that that you have to give in in persuasive and not necessarily uh, uh scientific proof where you have to convince people that if if your guy isn't the bad guy, then who is? I mean, that's certainly a part of it, but it does take that kind of evidence either way, because it's not super hard if you know what you're doing to create a deep fake, 
to have somebody look like they're committing a crime just as much as you know the other side so it's it's a very tough thing to try to find an answer that's the exact same argument happens if there's a video you know if the defense comes up with a video says this is video of my client in the baseball stadium on that day during the game right right and you're like okay well did you insert him there right that's the exactly it so how do you you can't use any video evidence and believe it as we talked about in one of the previous episodes i don't believe anybody's ever going to come up with a foolproof method that can look at one of these videos and go for sure yes or no whether or not the thing is real now there are still things that you can look for because the deep fake technology is not perfect and that was what some of these deep fake experts pointed to in the vaping video which was how is she moved her head back and forth the light changed correctly how the steam looked it it was correct so this these are all things pointing to this was real but as the technology gets better it's going to be harder to know and i think the i i agree with you but i think the point that i i spent a very long time trying to make and doing so poorly was that uh you were not video evidence is not going to suddenly be useless uh no more than than the ability to lie causes spoken testimonial to be useless uh what it's going to be is it's going to have to be weighed amongst everything else amongst all the other information you have to determine what what we're getting to here is something in in the past video evidence has always felt like a boolean it it is either it it is 100 percent trustworthy or it's not and and we're getting to the point where the the trust assigned to any source including videos including audio is is going to be a probability it's going to be well i think there's a 90 percent chance that that's real and when i weigh against all of this other evidence then yeah it could have been faked but i still think he did it Right. And, and, when and, you're, and that's the world we're entering. And when you're dealing with a court of law, that is one thing, because you will have a judge. You will have the lawyers letting the jury know the possibilities that it was faked or not faked. And here's what experts say. The real problem is going to come down to when these videos are just posted online and the court of public opinion takes over and runs no, that's with a things. corrupt court if ever i've heard <laughs> it's one the most corrupt of all courts because this kind of stuff although ironically it's also the most honest yeah but it could also ruin somebody's life in an instant if a faked video is put out there and people believe it so it's a, it's going to be dangerous for the years coming up for anybody well, I, I, like i said the the transition period is is going to be scary because of people who think that if a video is real then it's 100 percent real uh, or you know people who look at a video and be like well obviously it's on camera and therefore it's incontrovertible and people are going to believe that for a little while and and um you know the the court of public opinion has the advantage and disadvantage that it's it it doesn't come to one verdict it comes to a different verdict for each individual person, un- unless you're a communist, in which case you have to do whatever it is your slave masters tell you to do. But let's assume that people have at least some freedom to think for themselves. 
Well, let's assume we live in that world. Yeah, I was like, wait a um, minute. Do you think? Re- no, think for themselves. Uh, no, that's gone. Uh, in that case, each individual person in the public, based on their experiences, are going to be judging for themselves. And and the, the court of public opinion doesn't come to one single verdict. Uh, you know, in that case, if, if somebody posts it, then you're going to get some people who look at it and be like, that's obviously fake. And some people look at it like that's obviously real. And, and the question is, you know, is that going to ruin your life? Well, um, I mean, depending on the proportion of group A versus group B, it's going to make things more interesting. But if it's about even or or if the sample size is really low and it turns out it's just, you know, the other girls at your high school and two of them say it's real and two of them say it's fake. Well, you now you know which ones you want to be friends with. Right. Well, I, I, and this this is the genius of this case would be that this mother did deep fake a few pieces of, uh, you know, a few photographs. So she did do this for a couple of pieces of the evidence here, but then also included what looks like to be a real video. So now when you when you intermix these things together, it may have been done to give more credence to the fake photographs, which is, see, look, I'm showing you this video. That's real. So you should believe the pictures, too, you know, trying to piggyback on the the reality of one that the the authentication of one would lead to the others but this is just going to be the same slippery slope moving forward uh, don't believe anything you see or hear and then you'll be fine especially on shows like this right and uh I mean, and there was, anything that you see on grumpy old bens you should not believe well there was a story on cnet this morning which i thought was interesting because it was all about the under 18 thought a story on cnet was interesting yeah well it was that because it was about the under 18 me too movement and they're talking about all the sexual harassment and stuff that young girls face and you know the first thing was like oh you know i've gotten an unsolicited dick pic and as they're going down the list i'm like you know what would take care of a lot of this don't give your kids cell phones yeah (laughs) Uh, don't give your number (laughs) okay so the first place that i i would go okay first of all dick pics um that's that's pretty tacky and low class, no matter whether it's underage or not. I, I, sorry, yeah. I, I, but they might I, be deep faked. I, I may or may not have ever sent my wife a dick pic, but it's definitely not something I'm going to send to somebody that I'm not already in an intimate relationship with. That's really just disturbing. Make sure you have the number correct before texting. Yeah, that that's important. Um, but. It just, okay, but I'll give you I'm going to start before you go too deep into the story, which is probably going to invalidate everything I'm going to say. So I got to say it ahead of time. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with my my gut reaction to the idea of, uh, you know, somebody probably wrote a story and they're on CNET. So I already know which side of the political spectrum they're on. Um, somebody wrote a story saying that kids are, you know, little young no, girls, girls under 18, right. not girls kids. under 18 are being subjected to sexual harassment and this is probably universally bad and therefore we need to create some kind of structure in our society where we strongly punish anybody who is being interpreted to have ever sexually harassed somebody um you know already we're we're going into the the cancel culture area but my first reaction is if we don't uh, you know 
let, let's let's assume that there are real people involved and these women are are going to be required to function in society, uh, whether it's real or imagined and whether it's playful or uh, genuinely malicious. Um, if you are a hot woman in today's society, you are going to experience some amount of what you might interpret as sexual harassment. Some people call, call it flirting. It's what men and women do. Humans have been flirting with people of the opposite sex since the beginning of time. It's only in recent years that somehow this is a terribly bad thing. Um, but if none of that happens to a woman until the moment she hits 18, then when she is 18 and one day, she's not going to be prepared for it. And now there's a problem again. Yes. Well, there's no question. The article was uh, blaming all males because this is uh, this is seen that because obviously all males are guilty for the actions of one or two of them. I'm sure in the headline, teen girls seek out safe spaces online in their own Me Too movement. And you know where the safe space online is? TikTok, which is the antithesis <laughs> of being a safe space online. I mean, this is all just insanity. But the. uh the story like this shows teen girls, most of them stony faced and looking tired, use the voiceover to soundtrack their own videos. And I'll begin the same with them holding up 10 fingers, which then fall quick fire like dominoes as they document the various ways they've been harassed by boys and men received okay, unsolicited dick pics. Finger falls. Some, some some article writer wanted to be a, a failed fiction writer, I think. Yeah. Katie Collins. In this case, this uh, is. Uh, this this is like some 50 shades of gray shit yes being begged for nudes another falls being catcalled been followed been repeatedly asked out after you've said no you know it's like okay now the dick pics i'm totally with you that uh that should not randomly show up in anybody's feed and if you're under 18 and this is happening it's a very easy thing to do go to the police if somebody under 18 or over 18 is sending your kid a dick pic, it's illegal in either way. So, but on, but on the opposite side of the spectrum, if, if a guy smiles at a woman oh, yeah. today and uh, you know, it's, it's what, uh, uh, who, who the hell was the, the, there was a comedian, uh, whose name I totally forget. Uh, but Christy Elia. No, I'm I'm thinking of the one who said, uh, you know, the w- the definition of sexual harassment is, uh, well, you know, if if it's an ugly guy, oh then right, it's sexual harassment. But if he's hot, comic, uh... Uh, Schlesinger, yes, um, yeah, said, uh, you know, it, if he's ugly, then it's sexual harassment. But if he's hot, it's just flirting, right? And and that's that's exactly it because the determination of whether or not something is interpreted as sexual harassment is entirely on the side of the perceived victim and and as we've noted with with hate crimes and with any kind of of crime of perception um that is a terribly slippery slope when you let somebody who is is the purported victim be the sole person in determining whether or not a crime happened yes um then then you know we we have raised in this country a professional victim class of people who now revel in being victimized by everything in the world and therefore if you happen to walk down the street and look at somebody they're being victimized and they can make a huge deal out of it and that's sexual harassment if you happen to have a penis or even look like you might because you looked at them wrong and and now you're you're leering or something like that you you might have bumped shoulders against them in the subway and now you're groping them the the, the number of you know 
okay i don't know how sending a dick pic can be misinterpreted in any way but (laughs) there are so many things out there that are not sexual harassment and have been elevated to as such in society well, and the, the you know what the number two thing on that list, Ben begged for nudes. That tells me girls are sending out a lot of nudes if guys are incessantly asking for them or they're giving in, and then that's well, either that or guys are are horny and have been raised in maybe with, with genetics that make them want sex. I don't know. Well, to me, this is the same kind of thing when you try to um, make racism better by adding more racism in. There was. The results in this article from a YouGov poll, which was released in the UK. So this was from the UK this year in March. What percentage do you think, if you even want to make a guess, of young women that were surveyed say that they can recall being sexually harassed? How many women, young women, so under the age of 18 in the UK, do you think report being sexually harassed? Um, Who compiled the report? YouGov, a YouGov poll. So they took a poll in the UK. I would venture to say about 120%. Close, 97. Okay. So like everybody, (laughs) statistically, every girl in the UK says they've been sexually harassed at some point, which leads me to either say you have a really big problem or you need to totally figure out a better definition. Yeah. If you broaden the definition to include almost any human interaction, you know, if if you find yourself in a bad mood one day, then and and cranky and don't want to be near people, then all human interaction might be unwelcome. And then you just decide that unwelcome human interaction from somebody who happens to be the opposite gender gender is by definition sexual harassment. And now you're being sexually harassed by every single person who happens to drive near you on the street. Yeah, if if you let the victim choose the definition of what is harassment. That's what you get, you know, and as the this video, the the things used in the video, as it goes down the list, I mean, dick pics. okay, I'm with you being begged for nudes. I'm still with you, but a little less when it gets down to then. I I really I really am not a fan. I don't want her dick pics. Who says cat called anymore? I mean, I just want to know. And what does that mean today Um, that you've been cat called? That means feminist. If if you're, you know, high school age or whatever that this is talking to, if there's a guy in your school that's like. Hey, baby, looking good. Now, that is sexual harassment. This is. Yeah, <laughs> unless he's hot. Right. And then being repeatedly asked out after you've said no. Well, that's sexual harassment. Now, too, I mean, th- this could be if it, well, if it, it raises it's to highly a level clueless behavior, you know, but well, it depends on how the no is originally said. You know, that's I mean, there's, true. you know, there's like, no, I would never go out with you. And then if they continue doing fine. Yeah. But if somebody asks you once and like, no, I'm busy this weekend, then you ask again, no, I'm, I'm busy tonight yeah. because you're, you're trying like, to be I'd... nice. Now, that's not sexual harassment. That's there's a it should ask yeah. to kind of raise to a different level. I mean, the, like, like with everything, there's nuance. There's a little bit of a difference between maybe not tonight and i'd rather lick slime out of a sewer (laughs) right well that maybe gets the point across a little bit better but i mean this goes on to talk about you know the rape culture and all of this which you know i'm sure there are some assholes out there i don't think this is something that is going on with regularity if it is i don't see it and if they're if this stuff is going on and people out there listening know where we should be looking to see proof of this I would be more than happy to do the work on that, if you will use that cliche. And it's not something to be made light of when people are actually harassed or are actually attacked 
But when you start dealing with stuff like, oh, he asked me out three times. I was sexually harassed. That's that's not the same. That is not the same. It is totally it's possible that he's clueless. You know, one possible explanation is he's harassing you, whatever the fuck that means. But another explanation is that he's really clueless and doesn't understand that you're not interested. And another explanation is you really, really suck at turning people down. Try try using your words next time instead of just, you know, leading him on or or saying, eh, I don't really feel like it. You know, they, I, I'm not saying that's what happens in every case, but there are certainly people out there who are really shitty at communicating and then say, well, he's just not getting the message. Well, maybe because that's not the message you're putting out there. Right. We know the youngsters don't like confrontation. Or that's what we've been told, <laughs> that they don't like confrontation. And this may be coming and that's back why, to bite them. in order to assist in their development, you need to confront them at every opportunity. No, Fletcher, grumpy old bigots comes on later. I mean, we are old white guys, so we're the worst people possibly to be talking about. Yeah. Why are we talking about something this? like this? Well, it was because it kind of led into the next story that I had. And this is the tech angle of this. I mean, besides the fact that teenage girls thinks think it is safe to express these kind of things on TikTok because that's a safe space. I mean, that was yeah. laughable to begin with. But, but yeah, by, by the way, there there is ex- there is a, a safe online chat room somewhere. And let me tell you how to run it is you pull down the start menu and you look for something called Notepad. That is a chat room that is completely safe. But anything that's connected to the Internet is not just letting you know. PSA. Yes. Yeah. And that I think parents miss out on this. And this is the problem. When you're dealing with younger children, that parents think the TikTok and all these other sites are safe and that nothing bad's going to happen to their kids because all their friends are on TikTok. No, it's a predator's dream. Get your kids off that site. But with that said, this I thought yeah, went nicely because Facebook is a lot better. No, no, none of them are. That is the issue because that's anywhere, yeah. you know, these. Every now and then you see these sites that are like, oh, for truly verify your age. Oh, yeah, because it's so hard to lie. And yeah, say, I'm a 12 year old girl. I mean, it's not. Yeah. When when you just, you know, pull the ID of your last victim and be like, oh, yeah, this is who I am. I'm yeah. sorry that that might have gone a little creepier than I meant to. <laughs> there are a bunch of crappy parents out there. Meet us. That is the problem. And I know neither Ryan or I or parents. I mean, he's got those fur babies. So us talking about that, people will just roll their eyes anyway. But it gives us a unique perspective called not knowing what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> and we use that. And that's an important perspective. Time. Uh, but this brought me into the story about Twitch, which has some new terms of service where they are now going to be penalizing people for what they do off platform, including off the Internet entirely. And this to me just screamed of the chinese credit score story that we talked about almost what two years ago that you're going to be judged by everything you do and it's no longer what you do on the site i mean i get it if you're a twitch content creator and you stream something spewing whatever racial things they don't like you saying or you're talking about god forbid that masks might not be necessary for children doesn't matter what kind of degree you might have whatever you say twitch don't like they can censor you they can kick you off their service they can do whatever they want and i get it when it's you know twitch doing that i get 
when Twitter does it, if they don't like something you tweet, I get Facebook doing it when you post something on Facebook. But the concept now that they're going to start policing your life outside the platform, and if they find something they don't like that happened outside of their platform, they're still going to take uh, measures to keep you off their service. It's uh, I, I can't see uh, I, I can't see any use for this new policy that that has a, I, I can see no explanation other than they are looking for excuses to be able to cancel people if somebody some sjw in the company decides that they should be canceled uh, you know it, the, some of these terms of service are are really difficult because they try to write in terms of service that say we can do what we want and you can't but it takes a lot of words and sometimes they get hamstrung by their own words and the ability to just say you know the the ultimate thing that you want if if you are uh a cancel culture adherent, a wokeist who has made your way into this is you want the ability to be able to cancel people with impunity. You look at somebody and I want to cancel it. And it's so darn inconvenient. If you look at somebody and they're like, they posted hateful things on Twitter, but I am not working at Twitter. I'm working at Twitch, but I want to cancel them anyway, because right. I have to virtue signal and say who I cancel. And I, I, is there another explanation why this even would be a thing? Not to me. And that's exactly the problem, which is they want to go after people. This goes right down that pathway to who's moderating all these podcasts <laughs> because now, now something you say in a podcast and we say stuff on Grumpy Old Ben's and I say stuff over at Random Thoughts all the time that will piss people off. But I know that's the case. I, so I try on social media sites like Twitter and Facebook. I will not say those things because I know what their terms of service are. This is a way for people, as you said, to be thrown off these services because they don't people don't like them. It has nothing to do with the content that is happening on Twitch or on Facebook or on Twitter. This all is about we don't like this person and they're mad that you can follow the rules, which is when you're on Twitch, I will follow your rules to the letter. But I go on a podcast and say things that are hateful or whatever it is. Well, now I'm going to be targeted on Twitch, which well, your your argument is exactly correct that that the there if they were a fair platform, they wouldn't need policies like this because the entire purpose of moderation is to have a, a semblance of control to keep things you don't like off of your own platform, which is uh, there. I, I can think of no excuse to then take into account things that aren't on the platform and therefore by definition do not affect what happens on your platform, which means it is a transparent excuse to let's go ahead and cancel somebody because we don't like them. Um, now you could, you could draw the flimsy dotted line that says, well, if they say something bad on another platform, they might say something bad on this one. And now your dotted line goes directly into the realm of thought crime. Right. You, you have already, you, you've already convicted somebody of pre-crime and that's also wrong, which is why this is a terrible, terrible, uh, policy. I, I am never going to defend a policy like this because it's bad. However, my solution is exactly the same as your solution, which is that I will not say things that will get me canceled on Twitter. The The difference is, and I'll go back to, you use the word policing, that these people are policing you. Um, 
they might be true in in so much as they have the authority to do so but the authority that they have because they are not yet a government entity uh they do not have the they do not yet have the legal right to send people with guns to your house if you piss them off uh the all the worst they can possibly do is throw them throw you off their platform which means that they have all of the authority to police you that you give them and what this means is that if if twitch adopts a policy that says uh we can completely destroy your entire account based on anything that we find anywhere on the internet, including deep fakes we made up on the spot and we'll just cancel you and you have no choice. If, if Twitch adopts that policy and you continue using Twitch, then you are at least a little bit culpable for what happens after that. Yeah. And this goes down to the deep fakes thing. You're absolutely right. Again, because if you want to get, you know, your biggest competition on Twitch, that's taking all your viewers because you're doing the same thing but they're more popular than you, well, you just make a deep fake of them saying something racist and horrible, and then they'll get kicked off. But, uh, I mean, why Twitch would or any of these companies would try to do this, just knowing the amount of time and effort it would take is kind of crazy, but Twitch's terms of service say that this breaks down into two categories. The first is someone is harassed on Twitch as well as off Twitch. When this Someone happens, is harassed on Twitch. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Oh. And off, not just on yeah. Twitch. They're also harassed off Twitch. In, in fact, in fact, in the small print in the definition section, it says harassment is defined as using Twitch. Right. Harassment is, well, it's anything they can say, too. So maybe somebody was asked out twice, and that means that this was harassment. They say if, if you are an authoritarian who wants to maintain the illusion of rule of law, then your absolute best tactic is to create so many laws that everybody is guilty of something. And then you are in the enviable position of being able to selectively enforce things. And that's how you end up with a totalitarian regime yes. with the veneer of rule of law. It's that's, genius. That's what we have now. That is. Yeah. Because the quote then is when this happens, we will take into account verifiable off service behaviors or statements that relate to an incident that took place on Twitch. Okay. So again, what is verifiable you can't believe audio you can't believe video you can't believe text so what is twitch going to use to put people in the gulag i mean it's it's kind of um, a bizarre thing whatever they want uh-huh it's, i i mean I, given the story that you gave a half hour ago um it's pretty clear that if they don't have evidence they don't need it they'll just make something up or you know i i'm not actually accusing the the people who run big giant corporations of being unethical but uh how else do you think they got to be big giant corporations um if they want you gone you're gone this move seems like window dressing it seems like almost a pr statement because nothing is actually changing if somebody decides that you need to be canceled off the platform then you are going to be canceled off the platform. Nothing about this new policy changes that in any way. No. Well, now what's new is what comes under category two, which says, quote, we will now enforce against serious offenses that pose a substantial safety risk to the Twitch community, even if these actions occur entirely off Twitch. Now, do you want some examples of said behaviors? I do. And I just want to, as an aside, I always love how Larry pronounces safety. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, uh, Whenever somebody brings that up, you got to have safety. 
deadly violence and violent extremism. So now, what do you mean deadly violence and violence and violent extremism? So, I mean, this should mean uh, that we never I see mean, an Antifa killing? member. Yeah, that's that, kind of what I thought. So murderers I mean, can't I mean, use who's, Twitch. Who's defining deadly violence? The, the most obvious explanation is violence that results in death. But depending on who's defining it, what they could mean is is getting together on January 6th for a Trump rally, because I've heard that one described as deadly violence because one of the Trump supporters got shot in the face. Yeah. That's going to be interesting how that works because it's like deadly violence. Are you saying like Twitch murderers can't use? I mean, okay, I can understand maybe, but you know, if that, what if they did their time? I don't get it. Uh, I don't think that they can get away with barring government officials. Deadly violence and violent extremism. See, the violent extremism, you're right. Anybody that voted for Trump would probably be a part of what Twitch would call a violent extremism movement. So that maybe should worry people. Uh, number two on the list was terrorist activities or recruiting. Now, wouldn't that be any Antifa stuff? I mean, so we should never see Antifa on Twitch ever again. Yeah. Anybody, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And and anybody who put, changes their icon to Black Lives Matter needs to be immediately banned. No, that'll never happen. Uh, next, explicit and or credible threats of mass violence. So, I mean, how do we decide what are credible threats? Or, Back checkers, you know, I mean, this I, this is for people doing this kind of gaming and stuff like this. It's not, you know, earmuffs, kids, but it's not unlikely to hear somebody like, I'm going to fucking ass rape you and your kids, you know, when they're going into battle in one of these games. Now, that yeah. sounds to me like that would be an explicit it, threat of mass violence, except that it wouldn't sound like that because your voice is way too low. It would be the voice of uh, a 10 year old. going. <laughs> I'm going to fucking grape all your kids and your grandmother. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I mean, that, that's, that a, that's a Halo or Call of Duty lobby in a nutshell. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, you know, that is, uh, that, that's Twitch. I don't understand. That's what people do. Leadership that, or. Ma- that might have also been the cold open. <laughs> it, it could have been. The, either one of those. Uh, being a, Now, I don't understand why it says leadership or membership. In a known hate group, couldn't you just say membership of a known hate group? Because wouldn't oh the leadership God. be known, part of known hate group? Known by whom? Yeah. Well, uh, they're probably going to get the. <laughs> and this, by the way, is not sarcasm. They are probably going to get their definition by someone like the SPLC, which is one of the most hateful groups out there. Well, those the Southern C- Poverty Law Center, oh, which is yeah. is brought out by every media. Is, you know, the, the, such and such was a part of the you know the the college republicans who are known to the southern poverty law center as a hate group yeah but the southern poverty law center probably doesn't know about antifa so they're not a known hate group no well they, they <laughs> the southern poverty law center would never label antifa as a hate group that's why it's a known hate group but yes. i just didn't understand the leadership actually know or that membership much, believe it or not you know leadership or membership why that to me that's like when you look at the thing on your car on the visor that says um, death or serious injury may occur you could have stopped at death yeah i mean that's i don't understand why you need both in this case leadership or membership in a known hate group you could have just said being a member of any known hate group well, he made, made, so not all leaders are members then carrying um. <laughs> out or acting as an accomplish accomplice to non-consensual sexual activities like, and or sexual like accomplish yeah everybody likes to accomplish something so anybody that commits a non-consensual sexual activity or sexual assault now also will be booted from 
which. I want to know how you non-consensual masturbation. That could be. I mean, there you go. I don't know how they're going to try to uh, police this, if you will, or how they're going to try to monitor this. I mean, is this something that they're going to be going through court records and looking for people convicted of these things and then trying to see if they're on Twitch so they can then kick them off? It's uh, it's kind of a strange thing. Um, Then it goes to sexual exploitation of children, child grooming, solicitation, distribution of underage sexual materials, which I mean, good. I understand why you wouldn't want those people on your service, but I don't know, again, how you're going to find out who these people are. Uh, accounts that would directly and explicitly compromise the physical safety of the Twitch community, such as threatening violence at a Twitch event. Uh, does this happen a lot? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. The, I mean, it, is there a kicker here? Because uh, I'm getting bored with this. It's it, the the whole thing is uh, Twitch has come up with uh, a whole lot of text that says uh we can cancel you because we want to and we probably will and you have nothing you can do about it because anything you do or say can and will be interpreted as harassment yes that's basically okay. it that's basically <laughs> it that's uh um you know but it's something to be aware of because this is what is here now it's not this is coming in the next, you know, 10 years, better be careful, or this is going to happen. This is happening, and people use these services. I mean, you're idiots if you base your career, as a lot of people do, on sites like Twitch or YouTube, realizing that they could yank you at any time. I don't blame people for using these outlets because their eyeballs are there. But understand that you should be pushing every video you put on Twitch or YouTube or wherever. You should be sending people back to your own website. So when those platforms do bounce you, the people know where to find you if you're building an audience. I I think we've, you know, I, I people who were really paying attention were calling this back 10 years ago. But I think now there's ample evidence, even from the people who are totally clueless, that if you if you farm out your audience management to a giant corporation that does not care about you, then they're not your audience and they're going to vanish one day and you're going to sit here scratching your head and maybe post an angry tweet about it. But that's as far as it goes (laughs) and they can just kill you and not care. That's, that's how, if you don't, don't rely on Twitch or YouTube or TikTok uh, for your audience management, make sure that when you are sending people to, pay attention to whatever you're putting out there that you have you know like you said the the absolute easiest is is host your own website um you know we we host we have grumpyoldbens.com that's not on youtube it's not on you know one of these services have have control over it have have something that you can do so that when somebody ultimately decides that you're cancelable that you can just Tell your audience, hey, well, um, so we're not on this platform anymore, but we're moving over here. And you haven't lost your audience because the only way they know how to find you is YouTube right. or, or Twitch or. Yeah, it, it's pretty simple advice is if, if you are creating, do not do not put yourself in a position where a giant corporation who does not care about you is holding full total control over your existence. Well, and they're looking for any reason whatsoever to remove you 
for things that happen off platform. Yeah, well, which, that's only a concern for conservatives, though. It should be because they're the only ones getting knocked off. It looks like there was uh, was it a Facebook or was it a YouTube? Uh, one of those. I think it was Facebook. No, I'm sorry. YouTube. See, I knew it was one of them that took down the video of the Florida governor who had a little uh, a little meeting with some the people. DeSantis? Yeah. With uh, some doctors and talking about covid and talking about kids and should kids wear masks and, you know, all of this dangerous kind of stuff. Uh, they, they probably called it misinformation. They did. Now, we've talked about this before, too, because the question starts coming down the line of how do you define misinformation? And I know this is a very Doctor, easy this- answer here because this is. Anything that doesn't go along with the CDC or the WHO, that's what these groups like YouTube are using to decide what is real or what is not. I, uh, and, I mean, I mean, the, the the runaround here is you you appoint somebody who is uh, supposedly independent and supposedly third party and you anoint them with these are the people who determine what truth is. And those people are usually from something like Southern Poverty Law Center or from Snopes or from the Biden campaign or something. You know, people who are totally neutral. Well, the problem with this is, is that it completely kills the ability to have a conversation about any of these topics. And this is very worrisome because once you kill the ability to have a conversation about these topics, then you are living in the complete totalitarian state where nothing you yeah, can censorship say. be like that censorship be like that. That's a, that's wise. The uh, YouTube did confirm that the video was removed because there were multiple instances where the doctor said children didn't need to wear masks. That position, YouTube said, violated the Google owned video sites, COVID-19 yeah, medical and- misinformation policy. Obviously, some leftist douchebag who is is working at google and yet still living in their parents basement is going to be far more qualified to determine what is right medically speaking than a bunch of doctors yeah that makes sense except no fuck these guys they just have an opinion and a narrative to push and want to push it well and we're talking about this roundtable discussion with governor desantis he was joined by dr sunitra gupta who is an oxford epidemiologist i mean oxford's a pretty good school he was joined by a harvard professor dr martin koldorf i mean harvard i mean that's a pretty good school too isn't it harvard and oxford those are it, it was you know 25 years ago a uh, dr j bahachara who i'm sure i butchered that from stanford university I mean, stanford's pretty good too isn't it so uh and, uh, and dr atlas so we're talking I, doctors I, I can't think of it I can't think of a time in my life that I considered Stanford a good school, but I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> Oxford, Harvard, Stanford, people that are accredited. But they're saying the wrong thing. You know, and yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not even I'm not even as upset about the fact that these uneducated activists at Google and at Snopes and at Facebook and Twitter, uh, that, that these people have a political ax to grind and have decreed themselves because they happen to be, have the ear of the social network that they somehow know more than all of the medical doctors on the other side. It, that doesn't even bother me as much because it would be possible to just be like, okay, then you go enjoy your echo chamber. I'm not go, but 
it's that they are straight outright censoring the other side. That is unforgivable. And these people need to be taken out of power. And there are lots of ways through either violence or government action or other means of force that lots of people are going to recommend. But the the one way that we all have to get these people out of power without having to employ force is make their platforms obsolete. Get off Facebook, go to Mastodon or, you know, get off Twitter, go to Mastodon, get off Facebook and go to uh, whatever Facebook alternatives there are. Uh, IRC, I don't know. Um, get off YouTube, go to BitChute. There, it, it, the reason that we have to keep talking about these activists who are trying to control all human thought is because whether intentionally or not, we keep giving them the power to control what media we're allowed to see. And that needs to stop. Well, and this is just a sickness more than anything else, because I understand why they wouldn't want an idiot podcaster like you or I out saying things that are against what medical science says. But when you have people involved in the medical science field talking about it, and that's that's a big, big change for me when it comes to what you should be. Oh, maybe oh, at least you're, putting you're a okay little, with uh, them censoring podcasters, but not medical professionals. No, but I'm saying that if you're going to have belief in what somebody is saying, there are a lot of people that say some really crazy shit but this is yeah. people well, that my, my have a background is- in the particular uh, science that you're talking about that uh, that know what they're talking about to shut them up is like ooh, that's that's even a step further than just straight out censoring somebody that i mean i understand why for the public good that they put these little banners up like oh the person's saying that there were a bunch of little green men that came into his room and gave him an anal probe might not be completely sane I get that. But uh, how do you know? I don't. Were you there? Maybe. Were you the one giving him the anal probe? <laughs> right. See, somebody will stand up and be like, I was the anal probe, man. Yeah. I, I, it's, it, maybe it happened. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't. I didn't want to be there. Was quite happy being <laughs> elsewhere. I, 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 I get where you're coming from the, with, with regards to credentials and things like that. But from a purely free speech perspective, which I, I have self-described as a free speech enthusiast on this show. Um, I, the, the dude giving himself anal probes and then blaming it on aliens has just as much right to put out a video as right, somebody who has is a credentialed doctor. Uh, I think that the censorship is wrong, no matter who you're doing it to, no matter who is doing it. So you wouldn't all put anything should be- on at all. You wouldn't put any kind of warning label. If there was a video on YouTube that somebody said, oh, what you want to do is uh, take uh, five ounces of bleach and mix in some hydro uh, hydrochloric acid and then drink that. Where? Would well, you be you, that that would be okay? I mean, you wouldn't. I wouldn't. Wanna... I wouldn't put a label on the video. I might make another video saying this is really stupid, and here's why. Yeah, but somebody might not see your but, video. But People speech is properly. Speech is fought. Ideas are fought with better ideas. Ideas are not fought with censorship. First of all, it doesn't work, and second, it's a really shitty thing to do. You, you don't. You no. Even if somebody goes out there and says, "Everybody, kill yourselves." And that might be the cold open. Uh, <laughs> even if somebody goes out and puts out a video like that, I, I wouldn't censor that. I would put up another video with the same tags going. And by the way, this is a terrible idea. And here's why but, it, but nobody that, gets that, to your video because they've all killed themselves. 
Well, that's a problem of discovery, isn't it? Yes. What then I need to do is is increase my SEO above okay. the other one. Yes, it's all about SEO. <laughs> Only SEO can save the world. We're doomed. And, and also, there is an argument that could be made that the people who would then go ahead and do it, eh, maybe society's better off without the people that stupid. You think it's a self-cleaning system? <laughs> I'm I'm not saying that we should start killing all the stupid people, but maybe we could do with a few less warning labels on everything. Fair enough. I mean, like fonts are racist now. I've heard that. I mean, fonts are already uh, they're already uh, a remote code execution vulnerability and a huge security hole in a lot of places. But but they're racist, too. According to CNN. I mean, I know CNN is at the forefront of all things that are racist, because I mean they have Don Lamon and uh, and the, the, what's the other guy's name? Uh, they're you know they're they're Capper. These guys are always at the forefront of telling the truth and not being a bunch of partisan hacks. Uh, but CNN, well, they're certainly on the scale, but the 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 number it's a negative sign in front of their number. Now these are fonts that I've used making artwork, especially for the No Agenda show. That uh, there are fonts out there. And the one CNN showed is one called Chop Suey that is often used. I mean, if you go to a Chinese restaurant, which yeah, is usually every, owned, which is usually owned by Chinese folks. Yeah, most of the time. Every crappy Oriental food menu has that font because it it I, I guess it's what people expect. It seems to be marketing at this point. Well, that's definitely marketing because and by the way some of them aren't crappy they may suck at graphic design but they're they if they're really good at making food i'm gonna go there anyway yeah well the reality is the chinese language is symbols so this is trying to make normal letters and, look and like as we symbols. know language is racist well language is very racist and this is the thing though with the font you don't think this is coming down the pike that there are certain fonts that white dudes can't use that that Chinese folks can. There are certain fonts that white dudes can't use that black guys can. This is going to be the next thing. Just like you can't have a an actor with hair play a bald character on a show because that's wrong. This is where and, it's and, going. And you razors, can't use that font. Wait, a minute. razors. By the way, I just realized that your comment about bald actors, uh, a, a razor or hair trimmer, that's blackface. Oh, it is. Ooh, that is. Sorry, uh, it just made me think of that. It is. It is a different if, type. If somebody with hair wants to play a bald guy, then he shaves his head, and that is the moral equivalent to putting on blackface. Anyway, it is. sorry. Yeah, so we should we should be going after Gillette. Is that the? Uh... Well, they deserve it. Yeah. 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 So these uh, fonts, though, it's when this is what people are worried about. I mean, there was a there was a line in a Todd Snyder song, one of the best folk singers out there, which was, uh, you know, gay people getting married. That's what people with nothing else to worry about are you know worried about. I paraphrase a little bit, but this is this to me. It's like who can use a font is now if this is what we're worried about, the world must be in a utopian state. If this is where we are, especially worried about it when. The China, like you said, Chinese restaurants are the ones that use this probably more than anybody else. But it's like, we should, should we have protected fonts that only some people could use? No. But by, by the way, it's not always Chinese. The absolute best hole in the wall Chinese place around here is owned by a Korean couple. 
Nice. Who they, they started with Korean food and they've got some Korean barbecue that's fantastic, but they realized that it's all just throwing ingredients together. So they ended up opening a place and calling it Chinese food because that gets them more business. Right. That right there, that is capitalism in a nutshell. A Korean couple comes to America and starts selling Chinese food and makes a business out of it. How dare they? How dare they misappropriate? It, yeah, cultural appropriation. Uh-huh. Well, we talked about that like what, within like the first five episodes or so of Grumpy Old Ben's? That the two white women who owned a Mexican restaurant in California will run out of business because how dare you? How dare you open up a taco place when you're not even Mexican? Yeah. Fortunately, these two are safe because most white liberals can't tell the difference between a Chinese and a Korean. <laughs> and I mean, the food has a lot of similarities. There's a couple places around here that are similar that the menu will be all across that Asian board from Japanese to korean to chinese and there's different types of chinese of course too uh but they kind of have a mixture of all of those because there are similarities and if the food's good that's all that really should matter i don't that, care that's my biggest criteria yeah i don't care who owns the place i mean we talked about it's that kind, it's kind of it's, the same reason kind of the same reason why there's a the bikini coffee stand only a few blocks from here and i go to the one across the street that has better coffee right now if the bikini one actually had better coffee you'd be there i'd ogle see you'd be like i'd go in i'd buy i'd buy that would be good the the concept that you have to worry about who's behind a restaurant and i thought that was the biggest thing to backfire i'm curious how this has worked out when places like yelp and i thought somebody else was doing it that was marking black owned restaurant because you know if the country really is racist wouldn't that hurt their business because there'd be people that maybe didn't know it was black owned because you don't know who owns well, a restaurant. It, I mean, there's a lot of very racist businesses out there that are uh, catering exclusively to racists, and um, it seems to be perfectly fine. In fact, they're succeeding a lot. This happens in, in a lot of places where the racism is against whites. Oh, that's OK, though, because you can't yeah. be racist against white. You can't be sexist against men. This is there's a whole system. There's a a whole system going on that equality is not equality. That uh, is no, it's equity. They even had to change the name, the word. Yeah, Yeah, you're right about that. That is the the Joe Biden special. And now fonts are here's here's the let's let's cut right to the chase. Fonts are not racist. Sorry. Yeah, Um, I I will go ahead and reiterate. We we've had stories about this before. Uh, In fact, I learned this here on Grumpy Old Ben's when you brought a story uh, about uh, 80 episodes ago or so. Um, is that a font when you download a font from the internet that font is uh it's it's instructions in the font file which describes how to create this but uh the the language for troop type fonts is Turing complete and in fact is a programming language which means what you're actually doing is downloading remote code so if you go to, you know, I, I personally, I don't even download fonts from Google, partly because I don't want code from Google running on my system and partly because uh, what web site owners do with bonus fonts is almost always annoying. But even if you decide that you're OK with fonts from Google, do you really want to be downloading all your fonts from a site called hack, you know, hackers house of fonts or something like that? 
Oh, Hacker's House of Fonts. Those sound like a great place to get your... They're probably more trustworthy than Google's fonts. But regardless, what I'm saying is uh, Times New Roman was good enough in my day, and it should be good enough today. Get off my lawn. Okay, grumpy old man. So, let's see. There's a zero day in Zoom. Oh, wait. Uh, when, is, when hasn't there been a zero day in Zoom? <laughs> Zoom uh, well, let, let me rephrase. Zoom is a zero day vulnerability. Yes. Yeah, that uh, is uh, one of the most insecure. I mean, this is the one thing Zoom was happily going on before the pandemic and nobody was paying much attention to them. I mean, they were being used. And then once the pandemic hit, everything bad about Zoom and how bad their security was seems like it's been just kind of uh, in the spotlight. Well, the the story which I got from Malwarebytes is actually pretty low on details, so I'm going to give you everything that I know about it, which is uh, a couple of white hats named Kuiper and Acklemade uh, during Pwn to Own 2021, which I guess is going on, uh, just finished up. Yes, in Austin, um, which I was wondering, was that why the Podfather got out of town? Was there something that didn't, didn't want to <laughs> be a part of that? Well, you know, I, I tell you what, if you, if you ever go to a, a conference like Black Hat, just Blatt, don't take devices. Yeah, don't take your phone. Don't take <laughs> don't, anything that's connected. Like, no. like, you know, take take off your old analog style wind up watch because they'll find a way to hack that. Yeah. But I um, remember those stories from like those early ones where people are like, you know, you walk into the room, these like journalists or whatever, walk into the room with their cell phone and they look up on the screen and it's like, that looks like one of my emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that Surprise. Happened. So. Uh, at the Pwn to Own 2021, which, of course, like everything, was done over remote, um, these people uh, demonstrated a vulnerability, which was uh, a zero day in the current version of Zoom, not patched, um, where all they needed to do was be on the same, have access to the same LAN. Um, so either either be behind your firewall or or find a way through your firewall. I've got another story about that soon. Um, and they were able to demonstrate that they could launch calculator by have by placing a computer on the same network as an active Zoom call. Damn. So yeah. code ex- executing code. And they got paid out a $200,000 bug bounty for this, but because it is still exploitable in the current version of the software, they did not publish any details of the hack. Nice. Well, no, there was big money. I noticed there were a bunch of uh, Windows hacks that were getting big money. There was some for Ubuntu. So there's nothing. The the takeaway from reading the coverage of this, this uh, hacker conference was nothing is safe. Yeah, <laughs> hacker conferences are like this. So are mute buttons, but whatever. Um, yeah, it, it, there there were other stories from uh, from Pona Own, but that was the one that really jumped out at me. Is like, hey, everybody is using Zoom. My my five year old uh, niece is using Zoom every day because her school system is not willing. The teachers are still too scared of an in- invisible virus to let kids come into the classroom. That that's a you know what we're anyway um so she is going to school by zoom every single day and i'm looking at this going well um i guess as long as as nobody you know tries to hack that right which everybody well this is also the security by obscurity i don't think a lot of hackers were that concerned with zoom 
until Zoom became the most popular thing that everybody's using, as you said, yeah. including everybody's kids. And now it's kids. the target for everywhere. Yeah. And and the thing, you know, the, these particular hackers uh, decided that they were going to make the biggest payout. $200,000 is a pretty nice bounty, I'll tell you. Um, and they decided that they were going to make the biggest payout by being white hat and reporting the vulnerability to the company and getting the payout that way and bug bounties i mean they if you're a security researcher they're they're definitely a a way of 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 incentivizing staying on the white hat side but you know what else gives a pretty good payout is ransomware or uh or or data theft or something like that and another pair of hackers who I mean, I don't I don't know how what these guys did to find the vulnerability. But if some other hacker out there also found the vulnerability and looked at this and went, well, uh, I mean, the the bug bounty's already been paid out, so I'm not going to get paid that way. I might as well encrypt a few people's hard drives and ransom it. I, the, if one person can find the hack, another person can find the hack. And this is not patched right now. Well, no, so, the Zoom thing, the most concerning thing is it, well, there's a lot of people that use Zoom for i mean it's one thing as you said your niece using it for school but you know there are people that were separated by the pandemic that might be in a, an intimate relationship that were using zoom to uh to do things that maybe you wouldn't want somebody to grab a copy of the video or audio of and uh that maybe is where oh, the real ransomware for that yeah uh, it was was shown somewhere around episode 40 or 50 i did a, a really deep dive into all of the scary things that zoom <laughs> does including the fact that if you are in an organization then the admin of your organization has the ability uh to download every video that you've ever made on the system yeah yeah getting frisky is what sir Matthew called it and he's absolutely right people getting frisky on zoom we don't want to see that yes we do uh, like back back in the day when CUC me was the pinnacle of of remote chat and uh there was the alternative the 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 sexual alternative called FUF me that came out <laughs> hey, at least that was straightforward that was well named yeah it it, it actually uh, if you go i think that the, there's still a website up there it was kind of a joke site cuz they had peripherals which included a uh, a uh, 5 inch drive bay insert that had a dildo on it that you could use as, as haptic feedback. Nice. It was, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, what else? Um, got a report on, uh, uh, Terra master NAS and, and I'm, I'm not here to complain about this particular NAS, but more about, uh, the, there's a class of devices that you put behind, an, uh, your firewall. Um, this one happened to be a network attached storage. Um, the, uh, it was a blogger at KN100.me, and I'm, I could not figure out his name, Kevin something. Um, I don't think that he wants his name to be known, but he. Uh, it was an interesting story, and I'll just give you the highlights. Um, he bought the TerraMaster F2210 network-attached storage device, and he plugged it in. And like a lot of these things, it has a web interface. Um, what he noticed was that the web interface for his NAS was available outside of his firewall that's not good um so he went ahead and did a little bit of probing uh he discovered that ports 8181 which was the normal web interface was open um there was also an hdb daemon on 8800 um there was an ssl daemon on 5443 and um 
the, also it opened up port 9091, which is normally used for something called portainer, which is a container manager for Docker. And I'm not exactly sure what all of these were doing or what it was doing, but the way that it opened all these ports was through UPnP, which oh, is man. Yeah. A, a wonderful technology. No, for it's the people, scourge of anybody that has a home with, network. With, when uh, every router has it and it's on by default these days, because when a home device needs to access the internet and you need, you know, port forwarding has never been easy on any router ever. Even when you go into your router's interface and you log into the router and be like, I want to port forward. They never make it easy. I've never figured out why other than uh, port forwarding is dangerous. But the way to work around port forwarding being inherently dangerous is they expose a service called UPnP. And you know what? I'll let you, you, you seem to have an opinion on this. I'll let you describe exactly what UPnP is doing to your network. Well, what it does is the, the device and this, the earliest thing I remember using this was the gaming devices, you know, like the PlayStation, because you're right. The concept of the average person going in, and this is how it used to be. I remember doing this where it would be like, well, if you want to play games online with your Sony PlayStation, then you have to open up, you know, and forward this port, this port, this port on your router and send them to your gaming device. And this was how your device was then accessible from the online world. So if you were playing with somebody else, this is how the service connected to your machine. Otherwise, if you have a router, it hits your IP address and the router goes, nope. Not letting anything through because that's what it, it should be set to do. I mean, that's that's what firewalls are designed to do, but also what, uh, you know, every router that has a, a 192.168 space behind it is doing network address translation. And by default, if it doesn't know that when this port comes in, you need to send it off to this device, then it won't send it. Yes. And the worst thing is if you just missed like one of the ports that you were supposed to forward, you might work like 80 percent of the time, but then the game might not load and you couldn't figure out why. But what basically what the UPnP does is go, you know, people are dumb. They don't know how to set up their router. So we'll let the individual device do it on its own. Now, that's great if the people that are selling you these devices have technicians that are good at what they do. And don't just open up your whole network for anybody outside to find your device. And uh, which that, more and more seems to be the default on a lot of devices. Well, yeah, because they don't care. They just want their device to work. So that way their support people don't get a phone call going, I'm trying to play the game and it's not working. Yeah, yeah. I installed this smart light bulb behind my router <laughs> that, that you sold me and it's not working. And I, my light bulb isn't turning the right shade of green, and it's your router's fault. To show you how far we've come into people uh, just having this kind of technology and accepting this kind of technology, I started watching the Big Bang Theory over again, the series, and it was in season one or two where they go on the laptop and they're like, we're bouncing this signal through this satellite to through here, through China, through this, and then it turned the light bulb on or off and it was like this was a major accomplishment and it's like yeah now you just buy it at walmart for two bucks and it does it <laughs> yeah everybody's or, got or, it now or uh, and and i know this isn't a technology that has predated even the show the big bang um 
I, most of the light bulbs in my house, I can walk nearby to a switch on the wall. Oh, you still have? Oh, you have one of those newfangled switches. Do they go turns no, them on I, I, or off? I have old fangled switches. Does it have a dimmer switch too, though? Or are you just are you just boolean? Actually, the the only dimmer in my house is the one that's above my head right now because uh, my my man cave is the converted dining room. And uh, I, you have a chandelier above head. There is, in fact, a chandelier above my head. Um, I use it to hang things from. You are so fancy with I your know. own personal chandelier. I know. And I don't even use it. I have a stand lamp behind me that I use for illumination because I, I hate the glare from the chandelier on the monitor. Yeah, in that's, fact, yeah. right now, looking up, right, it looks like there's a black light bulb in the chandelier. <laughs> what, what, what was Dame Bemrose looking for? I have no idea. But now I really don't want to turn it on. I just looked up and noticed that color is not a normal color. I don't know. It could be something like dark blue or purple colored bulb. You know what? I I find it's best not to ask these questions. Yeah. Don't ask. Don't tell. So anyway, this NAS um, in the configuration for it, uh, what uh, Kevin uh, from KN100 came up with was that this NAS does not offer any method to disable it's sending UPnP requests to open up UPnP ports to the outside world for its management interface. So what you have is an appliance device that you bring into your house. When you bring into the house, it has a, a, a network management interface because it's, you know, as a network appliance, you got to be able to manage it. So you got, you know, you, you log into it through a website or whatever on the device. But it uses UPnP to open that up to the outside. You can't disable that. Um, what what he found was it is possible to use the uh, the SSH port that it opened SSH into the NAS using the admin credentials and change some configuration scripts. And that way he could change the configuration so it was not sending the UPnP requests. M- my thought is it's opening up this SSH port through UPnP to the outside world and has admin credentials that are default credentials until you log in. This is, this is a, a, a bomb on your network. Yes. Yeah. Somebody could just, uh, somebody could just port scan for this particular device, find it because it opens ports through your router, through UPnP. It has a, an SSH with default admin credentials. And then you can go in. If you can change the config scripts to not enable UPnP, then you can also change the config scripts to install a, a botnet on your system and just have it sit there and participate in DDoS, DDoS attacks against other people. I mean, the sky's the limit. This is this is amazing. This is a great device, don't you think? It is, and it's from a Chinese company. So what is there to worry about? And what's scary about it is, like I said, I, I wasn't going, I wasn't doing this to shame the device per se, but rather there is a whole class of devices that just have simple configuration setups like this, where you'll go in, you'll enable UPnP by default. Uh, you, you, you want when when you put a headless device on your network, you want that device to work, and you don't want uh, you, you know, the the company does not have their costs go up if their customers get hacked. The company does have their costs go up if their customers send the device back or use their tech support. So they want the device to work out of the box. Every company is incentivized to make sure that this thing works as well as possible to anyone who comes along immediately. And if that means exposing the 
HTML and even SSH management access to the outside world, then, well, I guess, you know, it definitely works as a NAS. Yeah, he said the hardware uh, looks good, this uh, the researcher, and that the company didn't give him any way to fix this, but they did have root access. So he said he used SSH, went to the NAS, NAS looked at the file system and found a file that could be modified, which uh, contained the list of port forwarding rules. So this was the company after being called on it didn't seem to be like, oops, sorry, that was a mistake. They were more like, "Uh, figure it out yourself. And 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 by the way, the the most awesome thing about the uh, story in, you know, from the UPnP configuration is they they clearly set some UPnP scripts to open up the ports. But when he went into the configuration interface and changed what ports it was intended to use, it went ahead and opened up the new ports on the UPnP, but didn't close the original ones. So opened up a window, but left the door open right behind it. <laughs> so um, and, and like I said, yeah, OK, I I. Th- it's it is a i'm not going to say don't use this particular company what i'm going to say is that there are a lot of companies like this who are creating cheap consumer devices that are opening up giant holes in your network security and so when you bring devices into your house you need to be aware of these things um One of the things that the article points out is he says, well, for convenience sake, it's not feasible to turn off UPnP at the router level. I'm like, yes, it is. Yeah, Yeah, it it totally is. is. It's very it's very able to do it. Now, of course, if the more devices you keep adding to your network, it might be harder to get them to run. But this little uh, two, it's a two bay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have to go. I have to look up what ports it wants and go into my own router configuration and open the port forwarding. I can do that. Yeah, a lot of people don't even know you can go into a configuration on the router. That's the problem. But this looks like a little nice two-bay NAS for 150 bucks, and whether yeah. the payload was meant to be there that they could get into your network or not, or just because they're not paying their software people enough to patch the holes, that uh, either I, way. I, I honestly believe it was a, we need to get this product out the door as soon as possible, make it work. And they either didn't think about security or they briefly thought about it and went, eh, not our problem. I I think that's probably what happened. I, I, I've known, you know, I, I don't have a lot of personal experience with uh, devs in China, but I know devs the the very first thing that every dev tries to do when you hand them a problem is let's get the golden path fixed. When, when the user does exactly precisely what I want them to do, let's make sure that shit works there. And if you have a lazy dev, which a lot of them are, then you stop there and be like, well, the user just needs to only give us the correct inputs, which is, um, terrible for both reliability and security but if your goal is to get as cheap a product out the door as possible as quickly as possible best price yeah then then you're you're incentivized to do that yeah the retail price at a five bay nas is 359.99 that's a pretty good deal compared to what some of these other companies charge so i understand how they're getting sales I see Darren wants one now. I, I always need another NAS. That's the problem. There's always more things that uh, I can store. But the other thing people need to understand if, if is you, how to go into their router one. and yeah. look at what's going on. Because you can see if there are things that have been added with Cube and, uh, you know, with the uh, uh, PNP. It'll show you what's hooked up to your system. 
logging into my router right now as we speak. <laughs> I just always want to make sure. You want to yeah. see what's there. I mean, you can I, look. That's that's another thing most people don't do. But if you're a responsible dude named Ben, you will do it, which is that you log into your router and just look every month or so. Be like, okay, what ports are open? Do I really need those? And did I open them? That is the question. Did I open them? And if not, what did and figure out what's going on and uh, be aware. And that is the main thing. Be aware. Any router that you have. You have the ability to go in, usually even if it's from your cable company, you have some ability to go in and see what the settings are. In the Linksys router I have, you know, you go into apps and games and that'll show you the uh, single port forwarding or port range forwarding. And, you know, it shows you if something else set it up. I was looking to see where they had the uh, the setting to turn on and off the UPnP. I'm pretty sure I always turn it off because that should be in here as well. And these are things that you should know that any device that comes in onto your home system, onto your home network that is connecting to your main router is possibly a security threat, which is why we always say, you know, if you're going to have the light bulbs that you're going to bring in and put on your network, that's fine. Play with them, put them on the guest network or create a secondary network only for internet of things devices and and remember a few minutes ago when i told you that uh any zoom call you ever make can be hacked if somebody is able to run code behind your firewall yeah well this is how they do it <gasps> no those chinese people were watching my zoom calls yeah well they do that anyway <laughs> yeah they're also watching all your tiktok videos i don't they're have any ones though i'm not on tiktok should I get a TikTok account? Should I be on TikTok? I need to do like the latest dances. Uh, no, no more than anyone else should. <laughs> That's true. I digress. We do have some experts to thank. I love me some experts. And it is. It's a big show being that this is show 150, which is a milestone episode on its own. I mean, it was supposed to have John C. Dvorak. That was going to be the big, the big load for 150, but he'll be here at some point. But it's still a, it's still a, a pretty decent milestone. And then we have our actual two year anniversary on 151, which is another milestone as well. So, I mean, be sure to get in. Larry will be joining us of that Larry show on Monday's episode. So you want to be tuned in for that one, especially live, because you never know what's going to happen when Larry is live with us. We do the shows live at noagendastream.com at noon Eastern time, Mondays and Fridays. But we have a beautiful list of experts today, three of them coming in at the executive producer level, which is anything over 50 bucks, unless there's only one of them. And then you get bumped because we we, we need to have an we need to have an, uh, you know, we need to have an executive producer. So you get bumped so every now and then you get a bargain. But today the bargain is ours because Cal from Lavender Blossoms, our buddy who makes some really good stuff came in with $161.80 with the note, a golden donation for the golden boys. And then in parentheses, because he knew I was going to be a smart ass and be like, he must mean this for somebody else because he put in parentheses. That's you too. So thank you, Cal. We are. The oh, I appreciate the clarification. Yeah, we are the golden what? boys. He says, cheers. What, what concerns me with, with numbers like this is I think that that's even more than our last order from his shop. You know, I think we're going to need to get some more because here 
is the deal. I mean, the CBD oil stuff that Cal sells, my dad has been having problems with his back and he just went in and uh, to see the doctor and the doctor actually recommended to him. He's like, well, you know, I had a patient that suggested the stuff to me and he's like, I tried it and it worked. Now, if you don't mind, he said smelling like I think it was coconut that uh, he actually recommended some CBD oil that Victoria's Secret is selling. And he said it really worked. And I'm like, no, 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 because my mom's already been using Cal stuff and loves it. So my dad's been trying it off to see if it's only been the last few days off so to see how that's working on him. But I just thought it was kind of funny that the doctor's like, well, try this stuff from Victoria's Secret. I'm like, oh, that stuff's got to be garbage. And you're going to smell like coconut. You're going to smell like a cheap hooker if you go with that. Cal stuff smells good and it works. I mean, I don't know if Cal wants it as his tagline. You won't smell like a cheap hooker. but. uh his stuff is excellent over at Lavender Blossoms, yeah. lavenderblossoms.org. I, I can always tell when, when my wife has used it because the whole bathroom starts smelling like lavender and uh, it's pretty good. And do it's, the cats like it or do they run away at that point? They, they're they not really a huge fan of the lavender and I consider that also a bonus. <laughs> so you can, That's how you can keep the cats away from you for a while. Yeah, little... maybe I need some of that right now because she's been climbing up me right in uh, like no, not not in the microphone. You're talking, we'll I... punch you, furball. Well, it's, it's soon you'll have a new microphone for the cat to grab. And the at. cats are not allowed to climb that one either. It'll be bigger. They'll be like, we can sit on that one. And technically, nice. I already have the microphone. I just don't have any way to connect it to my computer yet. So that is less than optimal to get the sound. Well, of... let's just say I'm not quite ready to use it. <clears throat> but soon. So the the Bemrose microphone fund has been successful and we want to thank everybody for that but we want to thank cal again check out his stuff lavenderblossoms.org we don't get paid to say it's good we and i've never used it but my wife has my mom now my dad we'll see what he thinks of it your wife everybody that i know that has used the stuff swears by it and that says everything at least i and, need to know we're we're not paid to say it's good uh we're apparently just paid so thank you cal very much yes uh, coming in with the boob donation, which is 8008. Uh, Herb Lamb, who says happy birthday, Darren. Best regards. Herb Lamb, fellow grumpy and old dude. And also the latest No Agenda Duke. So congratulations yes, heard, on that. I heard last Sunday when he was uh, he ended up getting the title change. And congratulations for that. And thank you. So, you're, so you, you guys are fellow Dukes. Uh, oh, no, I'm, you're a I'm count. A count. No, oh, yeah, he's, he's way ahead of me. I'm only a count. Oh, so he can like, you know, tell you what to do and stuff. Sure. Anybody can tell me. I don't have to do it. <laughs> you don't have to listen. I get it. I get it. So I don't know how the hierarchy works. So if you don't have to listen to your superiors, I mean, that's, yeah, that's how freedom works. Welcome to <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> we don't have a feudal system here on the grumpiest podcast in the universe. Maybe, maybe well, not. We, 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 can, we can talk about instituting one as long as I'm at the top. <laughs> Coming in at 50 bucks. Our buddy Sir Lee Mofo says, happy birthday to the grumpy old Ben show. Here's to many more. Yeah, two years. You still think it's a joke. So, I mean, the whole, maybe Monday will just be the, we'll finally pull the rug out for Monday and let you know what the two-year joke's been all about. Well, I assume that's why you're bringing Larry. You're right. Just, just we're finally having the big reveal. It's like we set this up on April 12th, 2019. Today, we finally see the culmination of two years of hard work, punking Ryan Bemrose. And then your like wife comes out and takes pictures and stuff. It'll be great. Everybody's involved. 
Everybody's in on the. Uh, and, then, and then we deep fake the cat. I get it. Why would you deep fake the cat? You actually have cats. Why would you deep fake the cat? That sounds dirty. I but, don't know. Maybe they want to change the color or something. Maybe. Surly Mofo. Thank you. Herb Lamb. Sir Cal of Lavender Blossoms for being executive producers. We also have some associate executive producers for today's show, including Sir E, which came in at 42 bucks. Check. No note. Nothing. So thank you, Sir E. Dank Steady comes in with 20 bucks. Says happy birthday, Darren O. Yeah. Getting older. It has. Well, I guess that's one advantage is getting older. People send you cash I mean, because they know you could just go at any minute because, yeah. you know, once you're- it's a, and, and getting cash for your birthday is way better than way back in the day when you got a new, you know, new toys that you would just break immediately. But we'll see now if you would have left them brand new in the box unopened, then they could be worth tons of money. Somebody posted. I a still link. would have found a way to break it. True. Somebody posted a link to me. Maybe it was a Sir Gene about the crime behind legos now which i thought was completely the the um, price of legos has been a crime for a very long time but this was actual like organized crime like dealing in lego and like the older sets and stuff it's like this was just kind of a it was kind of a weird disconnect when you think organized crime normally you think like drugs and prostitution no i mean the new organized crimes like we got lego and that meet is like wait wait whoa go there that's because they sell for more than most designer street drugs that's true that's true the a good lego set is worth way more than a good hooker so well, it costs way more than a good hooker i'll give you that <laughs> coming in at 15 bucks our buddy if, Mutter. if you think if you think it's worth more than um priorities dude but go on priorities 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 mutter says love all your shows here's 150 times because i mean you were this was where your whole uh you know, begging for money before the show came in. Like, well, I can't wait to see the show donations. And uh, Mutter asked if dimes were okay. And yes, any currency is okay, including dimes. That helps. It all goes towards the, uh, what's what's the latest one? The Bemrose Bidet Fund? Uh, it- that's what I'm told. Yeah, you got that going on. The cats would love that too. I, I mean, I, I could try to stretch out the Bemrose Microphone Fund, <laughs> but at some point you guys are going to get hip to the scam. I want a bidet that is so powerful that as one of your cats like jumps up on the toilet seat, it gets like thrown <laughs> across the room with a spray of water. That would be awesome. And then just put a yeah, video yeah, on Get it. that one where you don't actually touch the toilet because the water pressure is holding you up. <laughs> See, now that's even. Well, wow. Do they have those? That's a lot of water pressure. <laughs> you would you would think that would get very messy very quickly. But I mean, hey, yes. Yes, it would. I'm not certain that that water is something I want to bathe in. So let's go ahead and table this discussion forever. Whatever floats your butt, man. Thank you, Mutter. Coming in at 15 bucks, Bruce City Mike. Happy show 150. Say hi to JCD for me. Hi, JCD. We'll we'll have to save that note for next month. When JCD comes on the show, I mean, it was sad that he didn't show up, but it's okay because he'll be here. He will be here. And he he won't be all blurry in yes. the background. We we just need to get better at at navigating the intricacies of getting JCD scheduled for things. That's all. Yeah, I it, mean, it was it was it was a just a scheduling conflict in in practice. He he's definitely agreed to come on. At least that's how I interpreted him mentioning it on No Agenda. Yes, that's definitely a good sign. I mean, it's, I mean, really, the fact is, the longer he puts it off. 
if he keeps mentioning grumpy old Ben's on no agenda, that's good. That's good for us. So I still want to chat with him. Oh, I do, too. I mean, he may not want to chat with you. I mean, that may be. No, the probably not. But, you know, we'll just spring he's, that on him. He's like, um, yeah. When's I noticed when's in your, in your email when on? you were like, you were like, come on to grumpy old Ben's. Bemrose won't be here. Right. That was, that was JC. Yeah. When's that Bemrose guy? When's he going on vacation next? I'm going to look at my schedule. Yeah, I could. I could do that. Yeah. Wouldn't doubt it. Coming in at 11.11 with a check. David Hagland. We appreciate that. Coming in with 696, check. Betty Solero. Thank you, Betty. And D E, meet us of the fun fact Friday. Lego, plural is Lego, not Legos. Meet us. That is uh, appreciated. Meet us. You got to check out his show. Fun fact Friday, also known as the only wholesome show on the No Agenda stream. Yes, we have heard that. You know, that is the uh, way that's how we that's how we offset all this other stuff. When people are like, how dare you let Nick the rat? How dare you let grumpy old Ben's? How dare you let these guys say these crazy things? We uh, go, do we, do we, we've had complaints about our stingers. There's yes. the one stinger that has Fletcher going, turn down your goddamn radio. And people come in with complaints like, did you know that your stinger is swearing? Like, well, I didn't think that was swearing, but, um, but we I'm have to. I'm going to have to pitch that to uh, our expert. Yeah, we have Metis. See, that's he offsets everything. Metis and his daughter. Running Fun Fact Friday absolves every other show on the network for being crude and off color. It's the penance. It's like if you're a good Catholic boy, you know, instead of saying like 100 Our Fathers and 100 Hail Marys, we run Fun Fact Friday. So (laughs) how much did Metis come in with? Five bucks. Five bucks. Five bucks by check. So that's like worth three Lego bricks. It depends on which bricks they go up and they go up in price. And the, the thing I was most intrigued by, it wasn't Metis's envelope. The Metis stands alone, but the other three checks came in the same envelope. So obviously their banks all use the same service and they all went out on the same day, which, sure. which is I'm just like, I thought that was weird. I'm like that's well, the, the, I mean, the same day, I mean, it had to have been sometime between now and our last show. So that makes sense. Digiguru um, still mad JCD stiffed him on a hot dog. That sounds way dirtier <laughs> than I think he meant it. But um yeah, we're not that kind of show. Yeah, that's what you need to bowl do is after bowl. You, yeah, you need to call yeah, call into one of the other shows with that story. I'm sure they'll play it. Yeah, Hog Story would love that. They would go with that story, Digiguru. We're gonna get him. I know our buddy CSB, who loves to clip this kind of stuff, doesn't believe we're gonna get JCD. Oh, my Slovak brother never come on the show. He will. I guarantee JCD will be on the show. And uh, it's just a question we, of when. We just need to, we just need to get uh, a huge YouTube following so that he'll. Uh, yeah. uh, and I need to send him a list of days uh, within the next week or so and be like, okay, you said you'll come next month. Pick one of these. If it's a day that we don't normally do a show, pick it. That's fine. We'll make it work. We want JCD. And I also made it clear because it's, it's weird when guests come on grumpy old Ben's because there's two distinct things that could happen when guests come on our show. One would be that the guest just takes part in the normal type of thing that we're going to talk about and acts more or less as a third host, which is normal for us. Now, John C. Dvorak coming on to me, unless that's what he wants to do to me, that's all thrown out the window because for that episode, I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't care what's going on in tech. I want to yeah. pick JCD's brain and hear stories from JCD and 
that's where I would go with it. Because it is a cold, hard fact about tech news that nothing going on out in the tech world is as interesting as chatting with John C. Dvorak. That is true. That is a fact. And we want to hear those stories. And we want John to have fun and not feel like, and that's what I put in email. It's like, I don't want you to feel like you have to prepare for our show in any way, shape, or form. No, we don't. (laughs) You just have to show up and be you. And that's what the people want. And that is what we want. And we've made it clear that Grumpy Old Benz is only here, only in existence for these two years now because of Cranky Geeks and the other stuff that John C. Dvorak has done. He is our spirit animal. And he will be on the show and it will be a glorious thing. And hopefully after he's on once, he'll be like, wow, that was kind of fun. Maybe I'll come back sometime and, and actually mean it. <laughs> that would be would be nice. But we want to thank everybody for contributing to the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. Wow. A quick two years. We'll be celebrating on Monday. If you want to take part in this whole value for value model concept, you can go to Grumpy dot com slash donate and you can do well you can click the donate button that takes you to paypal one time or a monthly donation you can use the snail mail address if you want to send a check-in which we love because there's no middleman or you can use the qr code or bitcoin address to do the bitcoin thing and we had somebody earlier today duodenum wanted to know if we could accept ethereum it's like hell yeah we can so i need to post a few more of those addresses out there if people if you're into a different crypto just ask if we can add a we can add a wallet. We will certainly do so. All of your support is vital to keeping the show going and moving forward. I mean, if if we can accept Biden coins, we can accept Ethereum, I think, is is my policy. Oh, does, were we supposed to give uh, me to some kind of credit for the Biden coin? What's that worth? Like negative? Is that like, uh, yeah, it, like offsets is, is $5? Fact, it, it completely cancels the $5 donation. <laughs> okay, let me cross out this $5 here. Me nothing today due to Biden taxes. Thank but you. But as I told you, we we retaliated. Oh, you, see, I didn't know that. Though, has he gotten the item? What has gone back to yes. meet us? Yes, he posted a picture of it. Oh, what was it? I don't I don't know what this is. Oh, what I, this it was. was a different kind of Biden coin, I believe. <laughs> Wait, there's is this like a whole new thing? People are just buying Biden coins and sending yeah, them around. The Biden challenge coins are, are apparently a thing. And uh, as far as I'm aware, there have now been uh, at least three purchased in the history of the world. <laughs> Nice. Well, I, I mean, I have the one from Metis. I know uh, yeah. Sir Spencer did. And the challenge coin idea, I mean, if, unless somebody really has a bad reaction to it, and it really uh, that's not their decision anyway. But I think that's where we're going rather than rings, you know, like no agenda does when you get to hit the guru level, you get the ring for grumpy old Ben. So I'm thinking we get some challenge coins made up. And what I'd like to do is one of the places that can make them i have to get in touch with our buddy gummy nerds had a suggestion for a company that does this up in the wisconsin area up in cheesehead land but i was thinking that we could do a challenge coin when people hit the the guru level to make those challenge coins out of silver you know so that they're actually worth you know like 30 bucks or something like that whereas we could also have the same design made in you know like the joe biden copper and that way, that would be a lot less expensive. And we could send that out for, you know, smaller donations and for things like uh, things like that. So that's just another one of the fun things coming down the pike. And uh, these, this is we're still a work in progress, very much so, even though we are two years into this. And again, don't forget Monday, Larry from that Larry show. I was glad 
I was getting caught up because I was about two weeks behind on Larry's show. And I was listening to Larry's show the other night. And I was about to fall asleep because I was listening to this, the podcast. How can you possibly fall asleep listening to Larry's show? Mr. Velvet. It's way too riveting for that. But it's Mr. Velvet, the voice. You just get into that mode and you hear the voice and you're very calm because Larry, even though he's very upset, is calming you with the velvet voice. And and he's like, my buddy, Darren O'Neill. And I'm like, what? Huh? <laughs> like, oh, oh, that was yeah. nice. Got a call out for pulling. And I wish I, I mean, I wish I kept better records on all these. This is where chapters would have been important for the podcast that I was doing a decade ago, because I would love to be able to pull up the bit that I did talking about why the bullying thing was going to turn into a full assault on your freedom of speech. And this was over a decade ago because it's exactly what happened. I was Karnak on that one yeah 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 it's almost like you have the ability to take small bits of information and draw them to their obvious necessary logical conclusion yeah but most people can't do that that's why podcasts are (laughs) most people seem to have lost that ability but uh yeah taking you know oh these people are trying to tell you what you can and can't say in this one and there's no way this will embolden them to go ahead and tell you what you can and can't say other places well, it's that the concept when people say it's the slippery slope, meaning once this happens, then this is probably going to happen, then this may happen. And the more of these dominoes that fall, the more likely that end result is going to happen because nobody wants to stand up and be like, no, I'm for bullying. And this is how they frame all of this stuff. It's for the children. Safety. This is what we uh. have to do. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Yes. That was good. That was that was really good. I'm working on my Larry. I, I'll stand up and say I'm for bullying. Okay. See, well, you would. You would. That's but, why that's why Twitch would cancel you if you ever tried to go on Twitch. Yeah, well, I, I that's why I canceled them first. Oh. Preemptive cancelization. Yes. That's that's all you can do is preemptively cancel the platforms that are doing stupid crap like this. Yes. Yeah. Well, so, they're all doing it. That's the problem. Gizmodo has an article. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Life hacker with and, less brains. Yeah. Normally, I would stay away from that sort of thing, but they are actually the only source that I was able to find. Uh, well, actually, I found another one from Info Security Magazine, which I had I had this story a few days ago, and Gizmodo were the only people reporting on it. And I'm not bringing a story where they're the only source, but um, there's uh, there I found another source where... Uh, a doctor from a university responded to it. So at least it seems like it's more likely this wasn't totally made up. And that is that Australia, the federal government is uh, trying to come up with a proposal to require all internet users to submit ID in order to get a social media account. Did we talk about this one? I think the idea was floated, but I'm going back to the uh, UK trying to get you to do that for porn. I know that came up at that point, which is why stop there. Yeah, uh, the, well, the proposal here, um, effectively, I mean, what they're trying to do is ban all anonymous commenting on the Internet. Uh, the excuse being given this time, because, of course, control of everything on the Internet is something that all governments have wanted forever. They just come up with new excuses to push it forward again and see if it works. Uh, this one is, quote, to help the victims of domestic violence. <laughs> well, OK, so instead of for the children, it's. 
Yeah. Yeah. So to help victims of domestic violence, we're going to have to destroy all anonymous commenting on the Internet. That won't have any unintended consequences, will it? It might have possibly not because the consequences might be intended. Right. Well, yeah, they are. This is again an impossibility. Tell me what they're thinking, but I'm going to just preemptively say this is the Internet's a global thing. So this will never work. So this comes from a report from the Standing Committee on Social Policy and Legal Affairs, which is actually the name of uh, an Australian government agency, I guess. Uh, In order to open or maintain an existing social media account, customers should be required by law to identify themselves to a platform using 100 points of identification in the same way as a person must provide identification for a mobile phone account or to buy a mobile SIM card. Now, first of all, let me back up and be like, wait, Australia requires you id to get a mobile phone or a sim card well most so, people in the united states do but that's because they don't buy well, no burners. burner phones are a thing around here i can go yes. to down to safeway grab a burner phone off of the stand and ring it up with cash and they'll never you know and then you know if i'm at the safeway these days i get to wear a mask which means that you don't even know who the hell i was and i the burner phones work i guess I, I keep forgetting that outside the United States, there are a hell of a lot of places where you cannot get a SIM card without putting your name and ID into a registry, which already sounds a bit authoritarian. But I guess every government has their ups and downsides. Um, but I, I was a little confused about the hundred points of identification. What that actually means is uh, they have a, a concept where. Um, different IDs are worth a different amount of points to identify you. And, uh, like a driver's license is worth 75 points and an electric bill is worth 20 or something like that. And so, uh, if you have those, then you need five more points worth of, uh, you know, or a credit card or something like that. And all of these things. So you have to bring in all multiple different forms of ID whose points add up to a hundred. And you have to do this in order to open a social media account. According to this, they say, Social media platforms must provide those identifying details when requested by the safety commissioner, law enforcement, or is directed by a court, <laughs> which means so not only do you have to give Facebook a hundred points worth of ID, at least three, you have to give them your, you know, presumably a driver's license, a credit card and a utility bill or something. Right. But Facebook also has to save this. Well, and, and yeah, that I mean, or, and they're I would, never going to use that for, for marketing. No, right. That's all going to be kept safely. Don't worry. But again, uh, I don't know how they're going to verify people are from Australia when you go to is, Facebook and start an account. I, I don't know how you how even Australia would would verify. I, I mean, this is identity theft. You go out. I, I can get 100 points by buying a database on the black market. I want people do and people do. Actually, I don't know if I could. I'm not sure exactly where the black market is these days. I haven't followed it recently. Oh, it's not hard to find out. when you use Tor. Yeah, Tor, it, it's out there. Uh, the government should consider regulating to enable law enforcement agencies to access a platform's end-to-end encrypted data by warrant in matters involving a threat to the physical or mental well-being of an individual or in cases of national security, which if you're a modern government today, that's every case everywhere. National security. Wee! So... Uh, yeah. Um, now this is just a proposal. It's one of 88 proposals that came out of the report from the standing committee on social policy and legal affairs. Um, but, uh, it, it, it looks like, I mean, this is, is this what Australians think about or just what Australian bureaucrats think about? Probably the latter. 
Um, my confirmation came from uh, a quote in the Sydney Morning Herald from Dr. Belinda, Belinda Barnett of Swinburne University, who says, it's a long bow to draw that if we give our passport to Facebook, then suddenly people will not be abusive. There's no research to support that assumption. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's an interesting point, which is even if your identity is tied to this, would you be less of an asshole? That's kind of what this is coming down to. Not even remotely. I, see, I don't think so, because it would have to be illegal. Then this is where you start having problems. You know, if you were to say then a comment that you posted on Facebook could wind you up in jail, then people would probably stop using Facebook, which is a good end game as well. But this concept that you can kill anonymity online has been one of the cornerstone arguments since the Internet began. And there are people that will continually try to come up with reasons why people should be more than happy to have their name attached to everything they do. And none of those have ever risen to the level that made it a better idea than allowing people to be able to freely speak without being targeted by other people in the world. This is why anonymity is important. We can go to whistleblowers for companies. We can go to whistleblowers coming out of countries like China, where there's a lot of abuses going on. And when you force somebody's ID to be attached to these things, people tend to say a lot less things. And the the importance of anonymity is, is highlighted by one of the quotes i've brought to the show before but i really like still and that is that i need privacy not because my motives are suspect but because yours are and and that's every single proposal for uh oh we should have you know we should have 100 percent tracking we should have facebook track everything about you and it should be available to the government all of these arguments assume without comment without even highlighting the assumption that you can trust facebook and you can trust the australian government and i I tell you what there's you know i've done some things that might cause people to not want to trust me but if you're going to rank people based on untrustworthy shit they've done facebook and the australian government are orders of magnitude more untrustworthy than i will ever be well and you're dealing again with companies this was the big issue with the uk porn id which was a vast majority of the porn was coming out of the united states and there was no reason why the websites that weren't being run out of the uk would spend the time or money to implement a system that would verify whether the person was coming from the uk or not it's like this stuff doesn't make sense it does not make sense i i think probably the the best point made uh by the article was when Dr. Barnett continued on by saying, we'd be giving over these identity documents to proprietary platforms that do not have our best interests at heart. And as far as I'm concerned, that is the understatement of the year for her. Um, yeah, a legal requirement that I have to hand uh, a credit card ID and utility bill to Facebook in order to open an account. There's no fucking way. No, the only way that would work, and it would still be a bad system, but it would at least be better, would be you would have to go, if you're an Australian, you'd have to go to your government and be like, I want to get a Twitter account. Yeah, the the government issued the ID, so I'm at least 
slightly okay with having to present ID to the government for things like, um, well, especially for things like voting, but that's a totally different argument. Yes. But that's what you would have to do here. And that would make more sense to go to the government, say, I want a Twitter account. And then they would forward you to Twitter with an ID number that Twitter knows, oh, you're a good Australian and you went through the government to get your ID. So you're verified. Although I then you're putting it on Twitter again to go, oh, you're from Australia, but you're not coming from the government. So what should I do? What do they care? Yeah. So. Yeah, lots and lots and lots of of unworkable things about this. Like, uh, you know, how how do you know somebody is from Australia or not? Uh, how do you? you uh, here here's one that I came up with is it's it's all well and good to say Facebook and Twitter have to track these, but uh, does No Agenda Social have to track them? Does Grumpy Old Ben's out Social? Does does our uh, you know our, our zero node IRC where the troll room is? Do they have to track people? Do we have to get 100 points of ID from every troll that drops into the troll room? I tell you what, there wouldn't be any trolls in there because being the nature of trolls, they don't want to be giving up forms of ID. And I tell you what, as one of the people who moderates that room, I don't want your damn ID. I sure as hell don't want to store it for law enforcement. That's a crazy amount of responsibility. Then you know how I feel about responsibility. It's not my thing. We could sell it on the black market and make a lot of money. I, I could, and then the trolls would probably, you know, we have a lot of dude na- dudes named Ben in the troll room, and uh, I, I have I have a level of confidence in my security, but if these people really wanted to fuck me up uh, and had good reason to, I don't know if I'd trust it. I'd be well, like, okay, we're unplugging you a PNP by all of unplugging the power at the router. Good reason to. You're Bemrose. I mean, there's your reason. But now, does this law, does it say just social media accounts or is this another case of where they say specifically facebook and twitter because as we know a lot of these laws only go after the big boys and it's not about actually wanting the thing to come to fruition it's about uh twitter facebook they have a lot of money we can get some out of them so this is not a law and as always, the devil's in the details. If it does become a law, then the, the important bits that to discuss will be all of the details of the law. And I, I assure you that if it becomes a proposed law or, or even a past one, I'll probably end up reading it before you hear about it on this show again, which, uh, oh, I'm, I'm already groaning thinking about that. But uh, right now, it is just a proposal in a report from the committee saying this is what we should do. However... The recommendation in the proposal does, in fact, say to open or maintain an existing social media account. So even even having an existing account would now become illegal if you did not verify. If you didn't hand them 100 points of ID. Wow. Wait, this is really the if you want to be the ultimate scammer that can get involved with identification theft, open up a social media site. You'll just be people will have to give it to you. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, all you have to do is go go write or host some shareware utility and force people to create a throwaway login in order to download it. And hey, look, you know, free identity collection. I like it. Sounds and, and you know, idea. Australians would give that information willingly because their government's already requiring them to hand over 100 points of ID for everything that they do they'd just be like oh of course i need to yeah you know fax a copy of fax it's <laughs> need, for the safety to, yeah it's yeah. all for safety we have to give it's, our information and, 
and this is because of victims of domestic violence. Never forget that, that, that people will stop beating their spouses and girlfriends if we can just get this law passed. And I thought it was always for the children. So at least they're expanding that a little. Yeah, you, you got to sometimes you can't always go back to the same. Well, you've got to expand your repertoire of excuses. The children have grown up and they're beating their wives now. Wow. OK, <laughs> that's why you have to go after the this spousal abuse. That's I thought that was obvious. Australia, there's problems, a lot of problems. We need boots on the ground in Australia to let us know what's going on. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at GrumpyOldBenz.com or Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at GrumpyOldBenz.com. So, I think that about does it for the day. Yeah, I'm all tucked out. We have another show, the big two-year anniversary show with Mr. Woo! Velvet, Larry Blightner. We'll be- <laughs> Sorry, I was giving you background sounds. That was, that was an interesting background sound. But we're looking forward to having Larry come hang with us. It should be a fun show on Monday where we will officially celebrate two years. Grumpy old Ben's as a podcast. We hope you can join us then and get in on the value for value model. I mean, we know Larry will be here. So if you have a message for Larry, now would be the time to send one in. And uh, we'll get JCD. Don't worry. He's on the radar. JCD cannot resist for long. I mean, well, for long, no, you probably no, can. We're, we're wearing him down. Yes. Little by little. With that said, until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we're hitting two years, and it's like it was just yesterday. And from America's left coast, where becoming an expert is worth at least 100 points of identification. I'm Ryan Pemrose. At least 33.